Lights Out fans, podcast members. Really appreciate you guys. It's going to be a really good one. Super excited about this one. Darren Elkins, another Indiana Hoosier. Not only is he an Indiana Hoosier, he's somebody that's done the Midwest grind. So that's kind of our specialty. Like anything in the Midwest, we can kind of easily get our hands, you, you know, on top of what type of situations they were in uh, on a personal level. So he's, he's somebody that we've all known for, for many years. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about it, too, because I, I booked him once, and I didn't get to book him again, and I had a good relationship with his team. Um, but, you know, we were I was leaving the sport, and he was beginning his rise, so I got to see him at the very beginning. And I'm eager to catch up with him because he's different than our many of our other interviews in that he just fought two weeks ago. I mean, I know we had Eric Anders, and, and you know, we got a couple of active guys, but there's a different feel to the interviews, I think, We'll see what he gives us when when they're active. It's different than when they're retired, I think. I don't know. You know, I, I'm excited because they're much more edgy now, I think. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. So, Chris, what kind of plugs you got? you got a couple things coming up. Absolutely. Uh, you know, BKFC 20, baby. I can't wait. It's going to be on August 20th down in Biloxi, Mississippi. If you get a chance to check it out, check it out. All right. So if you're in the Florida area, September 18th, I'm hosting World Class Grappling um, in Tampa, Tampa, Florida. And then in October, the Olympiad, I'm doing the Olympiad as well. I'm hosting the grappling tournament, world-class grappling at the Olympiad in Orlando, Florida in October. So if you guys are some jujitsu guys, you guys like that ground karate, come on out. I got you in September and October in the state of Florida. Miguel. Yeah, I'm just going to basically toss out a little plug for my buddy Dennis Holman, 55 club member. We've got him on the roster already interviewed. Uh, obviously a UFC star in the past and uh, he's retired now, but he's got victory athletics open and uh, that's up in Olympia, Washington. So if you're in the Northwest, well worth getting yourself over to victory athletics and uh, rolling around with Dennis. Dennis has got kids classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, open floor. So bring your kids, get to know him, a chance to train with a real guy from, you know, the good old days kind of thing, you know, and, and, He's like a, a seed from a real serious tree, Matt Hume. You're, you're not going to learn bad things there in terms of MMA. I mean, the, the guy submitted Matt Hume twice in less than 20 seconds each, so he's legit. <laughs> so okay. with Derek, you guys got to enjoy the interview. We're asking. We're asking. We're not begging. We're asking that you like, share, and subscribe. And, asking. And, and we're like going to ask you guys. And, and when, when Derek comes on, we're going to ask Derek to go get his brother Darren, Mike. And then we're going to do the interview, all right? Just so you know. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I love you, bro. <laughs> I picked up on that, too. <laughs> uh, Enjoy the yeah. interview. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Darren Elkins. Darren, how you doing, brother? Good to see you again. Doing good. Good to see you guys, too, man. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, out in California now, so uh, a lot of questions for you. We've really – man, you, I, you're one of the guys I always bring up when I'm talking about um, – Midwestern guys in Indiana. I'm saying you just got a bunch of refnecks here, a bunch of guys who are grinders who come in there. And uh, so I, I'm kind of proud of you because you're one of my examples all the time. I say like a Darren Elkins, you know what I mean? Like we're just going to come and we're not going to do anything fancy. We're just going to try to beat your ass. So uh, I just want you to know, I, I bring your name up a lot. Thanks, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Ready to find yourself. You know how it is, man. We come from a different, <laughs> man. We have a, you know, we have something to prove. We're fighting our backyards and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, that's what we do in Indiana. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, people, a lot of people don't get them. Like, you don't understand the wild, wild west days. Like, 
I remember fighting and training with – we had one set of gloves, and I was like, I get the right glove, and you get the left, and we do stuff like that. I'm sure you had this fight in the backyard and stuff like that, no place to train. That's a real thing that really happened. Yeah, man. I mean, I got lucky. You know, Keith Winooski and Winooski, you know, kind of they, – they did the whole thing for me, so they went through all that, and they kind of guided me through my career, man, to get me to where I needed to be. So I got lucky on that, but, you know, you hear the Keith story. Tell me all the stories about, you know, he had to pay money to go back to, 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 to for his first fights, you know. So um, <laughs> he had to pay a hundred bucks and he had a fake ID uh, that he was 18 when he was really 16. So I, I know yeah. a lot. Of <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. The Indiana grind is where we're probably going to get started with you. And uh, I know that we had at least one fight that I booked you uh, back before you made UFC. And uh, definitely what Chris said, I know Keith's proud of you and we all are, man. You did. Did a great job, Mike. Yeah. Okay. So, Derek, how we run this is we take like a microscopic look at your career, and we mostly concentrate on pre UFC. So sometimes what guys will do is, oh yeah, my amateur career, and I'll skip ahead a bunch of fights. We're not doing that. You got a (laughs) lot of really cool, fun stuff in your amateur and even like early professional career that sometimes kind of gets lost or forgotten. Yeah. That's what we like to talk about here. It's an MMA podcast. So, yeah, like some yeah different, so right? some different ones. Is that like the same? A little stuff? different. Yeah, it's not your yeah. average question. Exactly. So, Marionette Park, January 24th, 2007. You fight at a bar called 115 Bourbon Street for Cutthroat MMA. When you pulled up to that building that day, did you realize that you know, over 10 years later, you'd still be heavily involved in a sport and your life would be revolved around it? You know, it's it's one of those things where I always knew I was going to kind of make it, but I didn't think I was going to make it this far for so long. You know what I mean? It's one of those things like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. You never think about it. I'm going to be in the UFC for like 10, 11 years later, you know, and 14 years later I'm still fighting. So I don't think I thought about that that much ahead, but I'm like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight in the UFC one day. It was, what, was one of my first goals, you know, just fighting the UFC. It's the most common goal for anybody. But now it's like, yeah, I'm a, I just finished my 24th UFC fight and, I didn't think about that, you know. I'm thinking I'm gonna retire wow. a little bit young. You know? <laughs> so real, real you, quick, real quick, let me let me let me jump ahead of you, Mike. Uh, can you go back? What was your background? Were you probably you know wrestling? What was your what was your athletic background coming in before you got fighting? So I've been wrestling since I was five. Um, I, my family Ooh. wrestled. I have some cousins that wrestled. My dad started wrestling. He was in middle school, so. My great uncle, he got us into it. You know, he, he, he told us, yeah, you're going to wrestle this year? You're going to wrestle? Well, in the beginning, I thought it was the WWF stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to wrestle. I don't want to get hit by a chair, you know? But, <laughs> like, it doesn't sound fun at all. So he took us to a wrestling meet, in high, a high school wrestling meet, me and my older brother, who were two years difference. And uh, he took us to our first wrestling meet. And I uh, watched that. Like, oh, that's oh, that's wrestling. Okay, I'll do that. So I started wrestling when I was five. Um, I yeah. won multiple freestyle state championships, multiple uh, record state championships, and then I was a high school state champion. Um, my record was 191. Oh, nice. Nine. Yeah, 191. Yeah. I took a wow. first, third, and a seventh. So, I mean, a really, really big background in wrestling. I went to college for a couple year, couple years, and then um, I got into fighting. I've been watching fighting since, you know, the very first UFC. You know, we had uh, – we, we bought my, – my dad bought the pay-per-view. We watched the very first paper, the very first UFC. And uh, how I got into fighting is my brother went to high school with Keith Winooski. 
and they were friends. <laughs> they rode the bus together. He lived right down the street from us, okay? So he, they became friends because they wrestled together. He wanted to learn wrestling from my brother. And then my brother, and then he'd show my brother some submissions. Then my brother would come home and he'd show me some submissions. And, uh, you know, once I got done uh, doing the wrestling and stuff, I, I trained him, I trained a little bit with him. And I told him, you know, I don't think I'm going back to wrestling. I got something else going on. And he's like, hey, man, you should start coming in here and training, maybe fight. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do this. You know, I went in there and I started training. I was like, yep, this is for me. So, you know, ever since then, I've been training and I, I love the thing. So when Keith was a senior, Keith Wisniewski, former UFC veteran as well, his senior year, he fought Shoney Carter in the main event. I think <laughs> yeah. he was 17 years old and he got knocked out by a spinning back fist. Were you there that night? I wasn't there, but I seen it like a few days later. I seen the video of it. I mean, he was showing us he had the, he had the little, uh, uh, that little video of it. He put in his, put it at where his house, he put, put it in there and he showed it like, oh man, you know, so I never seen it live. I never seen Keith fight live until I joined the gym, but, you know, I've heard a lot of things about it, and I've seen some other fights that he invited us to, so I've seen some of those fights live. He's incredibly deceiving. Like, when you see him and meet him and you talk to him, he doesn't come across as the person that's getting in tons of fights. He's Johnny Badass. He's just – he's a really nice, decent human being that likes to fight. Yeah, yeah he's like – calm guy you're ever me. I mean, like, it takes so much to get that guy angry. I've seen him angry, but even when he's angry, he's, like, calm angry. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to destroy him. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm kind of mad right now, brother. You know, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, the same. It's the same thing. So, yeah. So, like your first fight. And, uh, he, you know, but he's, uh, you're saying he, he's not the most athletic body, but, man, he grabs a hold of you. He's so strong. So there's a local guy named Jay Estrada. Did a couple years in jail. Def, I mean, he's got scars all over his head from getting punched from behind. Yeah, the guy has been in dozens and dozens of street fights. And I remember him saying, baddest dude in the whole Midwest right there. And it was my introduction to Keith Wisniewski. And, he, you know, he had his glasses with, the, the Hanson brothers tape in the middle and, you know, it's real kind of awkward. And I go, that guy He's like, that guy's a straight murderer. I thought he was trolling me. Like I thought he was like lying to me and yeah. he just like, he wouldn't come off the joke. And then I'm like, really? It's like, you have no idea. Yeah. You go in there and he grabs a hold. You know, you can't get your arm back. You're like what? Yeah, I want my arm back, you know? And so yeah, he's, he's definitely deceptive. So Jeremy Markham was your first was your first fight. What yep. do you recall about it, and how much time did you train before you took it? I want to say um, so. I started training, and I think it was about six months. You know, Keith's like, "Hey, I think you're ready for your first fight." You know, he's like, "We're not, we're not gonna give you a killer, but I, you know, we got this show coming up. It was uh, Cutthroat. Um, obviously, you were the promoter, and yeah. Keith on it too. He was doing all the matchmaking, and Justin was involved there too." And, uh, you know, Justin and Keith thought, you know, I was ready. I could be ready in six, six months. So I was like, oh, you know, I was doing pretty good. I learned a lot of submission defense. I was could take people down. So I'm like, all right, if you guys think I'm ready, I'll, I'll do it, you know. And uh, I want to say it was a Wagner guy. It was a Wagner guy, right? 
Um, uh, Jeremy Markham was, yeah, Chad Wagner. Yeah, one of was a last minute replacement. Like, hey, what, what do you got? Well, here's this guy. I mean, so that's what he was good at, giving you one of those guys that you can just beat on, like, last minute. If you need a replacement, here's your guy, you know? So it was a, it was a uh, Wagner guy, and I, uh, you know, I felt pretty comfortable going in there. I took him down right away and ground and pounded him, and uh, it was a great feeling, you know? I'm in this bar, a smoky bar. It was, you're going out there and you're inhaling the smoke and ready to fight. So it's a little different, but I'm like, yeah, I can get used to this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I got a question here for you. Now, did you say cutthroat and yes. Mike is the promoter? I believe Mike is the co-promoter. Yeah, he was a right? co-promoter. Okay. Uh, Mike, what happened to your partner on that show? Because, uh, you know, you guys rail on me for 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so Darren... Mike Brown came on and we asked him if any promoter ever like stiffed him on cash. Yeah. And he said, Miguel shorted him 50 bucks. <laughs> okay. So, and, and it's, you know, every one of these interviews, we always get somebody, mostly it's like Brad Kohler, you know, like real <laughs> shitty promoters like that. Chel Sonnen yeah. just, Chel Sonnen just outed uh, a Dan Severn stole $20 from him. So, <laughs> We, we, we tend to uncover those things. So, Miguel, to answer your question, at, okay, at this time, uh, Keith Wisniewski and I co-promoted the show. Uh, Keith basically really helped me out. Like, I, I was in a jam. He helped me out. And later on, I took on a business partner that went to jail for embezzling, like, 2 or $3 million. Yep. And um, I gave him really good advice all the way up until he took his eight years in prison. Um, and, like, take the deal type advice and uh, he didn't listen so um he took the time and if you look him up on like facebook now he looks like the you know the kendall surgeries that people get he's he looks like the kendall like he's he's going in that direction it's the most bizarre incredible transformation you'll ever see in your life it's it's, it's good theater so anyway Darren, now that miguel has got that out of his system <laughs> no it was, it was you and keith i remember and you yeah. did and Keith did all the like the matchmaking, and uh, I I don't know. I think Justin was a part of it later. I don't know if he was on that show co-promoting co with you guys, but I know Justin was a part of it too. But Keith was doing all the matchmaking. He set up all the fights, and then you guys kind of ran together. And I yeah. didn't have either one of them, but you know Keith was my buddy, and he treated me good. So I don't think he would let Mike do that to me in the beginning. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> there isn't anybody <laughs> I owe money to. There isn't anybody, <laughs> including Mike Brown. <laughs> he was uh, very good about making sure I got paid. Yes. Let, let me ask you, Darren. You mentioned Justin there, and Justin's kind of like the forgotten Wisniewski brother nowadays, yeah. too. Why don't you talk about those two in the gym when you're working out and stuff? Because, you know, Doodling was a pretty mean little place, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, Justin was, was the main coach for Newman for most of the years. You know what I mean? Later on, uh, Justin stepped back and he, he left the gym and uh, he let Keith kind of run everything. But Justin was my main trainer. You know what I mean? I learned a lot from Justin. I mean, nothing but respect for Justin. But, but he liked background. You know what I mean? He liked, he liked coaching and he liked doing stuff like that. Like Keith was more of like the promoter slash matchmaker. And he'd manage a lot of people. He managed me at the time. So he did that stuff as the coaching part, but that was Justin's main part. And, uh, yeah, man, he was great at it too. I, I mean, he had some killers in there and he, I mean, for the skills, the grappling skills that he brought was uh, great. 
you guys had you guys are, had a really really tough room, man. You guys had a really tough room for Northern yeah. Indian. It was unbelievable the the killers that came out there. Yeah, yeah let's run through them. Run through them. Yeah. Josh Shockley. Yep. Mark Mark Birch. Yep. John Colossi. Yourself. Ed, Eddie Wineland. Eddie Wineland. Yourself. <laughs> uh, Keith wow. and Justin. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's legit, man. That's yeah, a homegrown talent. Yeah. Yeah. It's all all Indiana homegrown shit. Yeah. Powerful yeah. shit. And most of us just came straight from that jam, man. But I mean, it was. It was a killer jam in there. You know, you had to go in there, and it was like one of those like grindy practices that you know, no no air conditioner. You'd be sweating, and it'd just be like a sweat box, and you'd be slipping and sliding. And <laughs> I mean, like you turn on the heat last minute, you couldn't feel your fingers. You had to wait till it warmed up, and you know, it was like a it was a rough jam, man. But that's what made us who we were. You know, just some tough dudes. Mm-hmm. There was uh, I, I went in there several times dropping off tickets and you know for an event and there was almost like a, a, a swimming pool effect on the mat of like all of the humidity and sweat. It was it was like nothing I have ever seen before. Like you could you could <laughs> inhale just the vapor of, of the people that are, are working out in there. So let, let, let's kind of come you know come full circle here. So Jeremy Markham, he's a Chad Wagner guy, he's kind of a body. Darren beats him up, like, and it was first fight. It's a fair first fight for you because you got to get him first fight jitters out, of yeah. which, of which Darren had none. Like he had zero first fight jitters, and like when you talk to people about Darren, there's no baggage there. Like there's very little. You know, he's just he's not a guy that's going to put himself in controversial positions. So he's just you know he's he's very measured with his words and you know very polite on weight. Does everything that you need, and you know, because of that, you don't really need a lot of conversation with him because he's already like finished with what it is he needs to complete. So after this fight, you know, I thank Darren, and Keith goes, "Yeah, we're going to turn him pro next." And my response is, "Well, he's got one fight. You know, he just <laughs> beat up a guy that he he was supposed to do that to." And Keith goes, "Yeah, but I see him in the gym. He's ready." I go, "You think he's ready to go pro like right now?" And he goes, "Oh yeah." Yeah, yeah, no, he's done with the amateurs. So I'm like, okay. And, you know, and Keith really took care of you. Like, in regards to how he brought you along, there was a lot of love. There was a lot of love out of Keith with you. Your next fight was against Matt Joseph, uh, April 4th, again, uh, for myself, 2007 at, uh, at Bourbon Street. And as hard as you were the first fight, you t- you you leveled up on the second fight. Like I, that savage beating you did in the first fight was first fight jitters. It turns out, yeah, yes. because that second fight was was a lot different. Would you mind bringing us through like your mental mindset and, and how that fight came about? Yeah, so uh, you know, you keep doing another show, um, and like you said, we, we talked about the 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 pro thing. You know, it was different back then. Remember too. To be a pro, because there was no commission in Indiana at the time, all you had to do is fight somebody who fought pro before. So you could fight, like, the guys who are at the same level as an amateur guy, but all they had was, you know, a, a pro record because they fought somebody who was pro, and, and that counts as a record. So Keith was really good about giving me that pretty much – it was almost like an amateur – this fight was almost like an amateur fight, but it was actually a pro fight because yeah. the guy had a fight. He was, like, one and one as a pro – 
not a really killer, but a, a good, a good first, a good first pro fight. And um, you know, the guy was mostly a wrestler, and uh, he, you know, he just he was really good about giving me guys who I matched up really well with, and he knew submission wise right from the beginning. I got how to get out of submissions because of Justin and just crafty, you know, this crafty veteran stuff that I can just put myself in and learn how to get out of these submissions. So this fight, you know, um, I, I stood up a little bit more, not a whole lot, but we did a little stand up. He tried, this guy tried to take me down a couple of times, actually, you know, I hit him with a couple of big uppercuts. He tried to take me down again and I got him down on the ground. I want to say I took his back and I started pounding him and then I submitted him and it was uh, another first round finish. And, you know, I just felt like I was just on fire at the time. But the gym, you know, they gave me all the confidence in the world. We had all these killers coming up, and I, you know, I believed in myself in the beginning. And I knew because I was a high-level wrestler who I was dedicated to this sport right from the beginning. You know, some of these guys come in there, like, I want to be a fighter. And they're, they're not really in the gym. I lived in the gym from day one. As soon as I said, I want to be a fighter, I never left the gym. You know, I still never leave the gym. I mean, if you're going to really make this a career – you got to go in and out, be in there every day. And I was one of the hardest workers from day one. And I think that's why Keith's seen what he's seen in me because, you know, I was in there. He had to kick me out of the gym half the time. Hey, man, we, we got to get out of here. We got to do something. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, man, I'm going to stay longer. I'm that guy. <laughs> and it's still, it's still the same. It's that mentality that I've always had that that's why I've succeeded in my life is I'm going to stay them, I'm going to learn. I'm going to work harder than everybody else. You're not going to outwork me. Maybe you're a bad athlete. Maybe you're a better – whatever you catch me but you're not gonna outwork me that, that's so, definitely that's definitely the attitude you exude man i mean i'm just gonna outwork you because there have been several fights where you lose the first round like oh, that's a tough one and then you come yeah. back at the end and just take it that's, that's one thing i like but uh real quick i think that a lot of people don't give people like um keith Wazuski and like keith palmer those guys were really good matchmakers as far as not really matchmakers the right word, but they would pick the right fights for someone like yourself to bring your career along the right way. Developing yeah. a fight is something very difficult to do. A lot of people don't know how to do it. They it's just a skill. They throw people in randomly. Yeah. It's a skill, and Keith Wazowski is very good at that. Oh, yeah. he was great at it. I mean, I credit him all the time. I mean, back at what he did to me and how he brought up my career, I mean, I'm like, man, he really strung my career along and gave me the right matchups and pushed me when I needed to be pushed, but he didn't yep. give me – like you see these guys are like I'm ready and they get killer after killer after killer and they're not getting the matchups they really need. I mean, and to be in these big promotions, you don't need a bunch of killers, <laughs> two or three killers, and then the rest of the guys can you know a stylish matchup that makes sense for you. And Keith was very good at knowing that, you know. What I mean that's and that's the one thing that was different. Like he wasn't in it just for the money. He cared about the fights, he cared about the sports, you know. What I mean, he he was a good friend of mine from the beginning and he really <clears throat> Day one, you know what I mean? He watched after me, and I, I would have been where, where I am without him, you know? And uh, it was just, like, one of those things where I could say, hey, he actually took care of me, and I, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, so, no, you know what's nice about that, too, is that uh, a lot of guys say, all right, you know, follow my path, you know? And he didn't put you through the 50 fights he went through. No. He knew the way to do it real smart, and, and that's really what you say, the love there, you know? Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, he's... He learned from his mistakes. That's one thing he can exactly. tell you. He'll, he'll tell you this from, you know, told me this from day one. Look, we're not doing this. We're doing this instead. You know what I mean? Hey, this fight doesn't make sense for you. What's his weight? You know, he wasn't afraid to tell me that. You know what? They want you to fight this guy. It doesn't really make sense for you. This this way. Another fight will come soon. Don't take that fight. 
at this point, like when Derek takes his first fight, he's, he admitted he had six months training. So four months into his fight career, which is 10 total months, Keith and I are talking quite regularly. And he says, yeah, you know, there's a local show, the Gilbert Grappling Danny and Joey Gilbert through a show called IMAC. And they said, yeah, we got this guy, Daniel Wanderley. He's a, he's a black belt. And Keith goes, well, we want that fight. So he's got 10 total months of training and <laughs> the amount of confidence that Keith has, I'm saying, Hey Keith, you know, that 10 months training. I, I don't know anything, but I do know math and 10 months of training <laughs> is a long time. Well, and this doing jujitsu black belt. You know what I mean? I mean, he's just, the coach for the uh, Rufus dude. sports style jujitsu. So, I mean, he had a really high jujitsu background. You know, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, rain on that. But I. I mean, don't sell yourself short, man. You wrestled at a high level. You know, state championships yeah. since you were five. They, they don't give belts out in wrestling, but you sound no. like like you had some experience too. So, you know, <laughs> balance is out. In the I end, mean, no? Keith believed in me, and I believed in myself. The rest of the people thought we were crazy. You know what I mean, like, uh, we took this fight, and I want to say I was a last minute replacement. I think I, I took this fight in two weeks. And what most people don't know is I was fighting at 155 at the time, and he missed weight by five pounds. It wasn't even close, you know what uh, I mean? Like, a replacement. I was the guy who took the fight last minute, and he missed weight by five pounds, and he didn't really even try to make weight, you know what I mean? So he's a big he's a big 155-pounder, and, you know, I was like, I was still confident, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I always believed in myself, and uh, we, we were – that was one of those fights that it's it's classic Darren Elkins. He hit me with a couple good shots in the beginning. We got some scrambles. He had me a little trouble in the first round. And I want to say mid mid first round, the tides start, started turning. I mean, those scrambles started getting harder for him, started getting really hard for him. And then I got on top of him and I started, you know, ground and pounding him. And it's, you know, I kept it up. And then uh, the second round, he, he didn't answer the bell. That was it for him. He had enough. He was broke. Daniel, wow, yeah, Daniel Wanderley is the, the name of the opponent that we're talking about. He later started, I think he left Rufus, but he was the head jiu jitsu coach over at Duke Rufus yep. and a Carlson, Carlson Gracie senior black belt. So, at about the three minute mark is when the tide turned. And Darren had a couple problems before that, wiggled out of him, wiggled out of him, and just mentally broke Daniel. And Daniel never recovered. Like he quit on a stool. Wow. Yeah. It wasn't him. He said it was like a foot injury or something like that, but he was, you could see it in his eyes. He was broke. I mean, I broke plenty of people in my career now. And he was just like, you know what? This is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I'm not going to answer the bell. It, it was a heart injury. Did you feel <laughs> that? <laughs> Did you know you broke him in the fight? Could you feel that? Yeah, I did. He was really flustered. We got in a scramble, and, we, you know, he thought he was going to win the scramble. I think we came out of the ring, and then we came back in, and, I, and then I reversed him. And when I reversed him after that 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 little bit of, like, where he thought he had a dominant position, I got on top of him, and that's when I kind of took over. He was never the same. He was, like, effortless. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's – I thought, okay, I thought he was going to answer the bell. I thought, okay, here we go. But I thought for sure, I'm like, this is in my way now, so I'm going to really turn it up and see what he has. <laughs> so shortly after that so in essence clear his second fight's april 4th 
April 21st, three weeks later, he fights the black belt. (laughs) And then a month later, I think it was you had somebody fall out. Adam Beatty is the person. And at this fight, I had a couple guys that always bought tickets for me. And they always wanted to sit on a cage. They're not sitting anywhere other than a cage. At this fight, they say to me, anytime he fights, I'm bringing my family too. They need to see this. They like, there's, there's like a like artist, you know, performing at Bourbon yeah. street. There's no fights. This is an art show and I got to bring my family. And um, yeah, your, your fight against Adam Beatty um, kind of slumps. You kind of parlayed you into Keith pushing on Miguel to fight uh, Atsuhiro uh, Suboy, who is from Japan. So now you've got your first international bout. Miguel, how did this fight come, come together? Well, uh, you know, growing guy, Wisniewski was always in my rotation, you know, so is it, there's a, a situation there where I, I knew Keith really well. And part of that relationship was that l- l- what Darren said is just the knowledge of the game that I experienced from him and stuff. Like I knew, like the, every coach tells you, I, I got the next world champion. Every coach tells you that. Yeah. You don't take that seriously from every coach. You know what I mean? There are certain coaches that have your attention better that you got to take serious. When Wisniewski says it, I knew his touch for the game that, yeah, there could be something there. So we got to bring him in and and take a look. So where'd you go in Bodog? Where was that fight? That was in uh, Vancouver. Okay. So that was what? Chris Lytle was there for that one. That's the first time I met Chris Lytle was in uh, Vancouver when I fought in that one. I remember that, yeah. Were yeah. you there, Chris? How I, was there. I, I was there. Corner was corner. Uh, Sidling? No, no, it was. Jeez, uh, who was it? Um, I can't remember right now. Think it was him in a minute. Come on, Darren. Uh, who's I can't corner? Scott <laughs> Hensley. It was Scott Hensley. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's who it was. He's right. Cool, cool. So I yeah, didn't do a very so, good job corner neither. Well, I, you <laughs> yeah, know, I, at, I, at, at that point, you know. When when we're with Bodog, I'm exploring having a couple of different levels of 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 a roster. You know, you got to have your upper guys and guys that are real developed. And Darren, you know, was already uh, coming on the radar, but he was on, you know, like the uh, preliminary stuff. Wanted to take a look at him and uh, bought in a Japanese opponent for him because it was worth it. You know, I I really wanted to see him motivate him. I knew it would motivate him. You know, so it was good to get to get. That kind of flavor. Japan has that mystique. You fought a Brazilian already, now a Japanese guy. It, it, it's it's a good thing. And so I, I think it was a good spot. And uh, I'm kind of now I'm really sad I didn't get him back. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was the only one. I want to say a little bit after that's when Bodog went under. Yeah, yeah. The Vancouver was you know after the pay per view stuff. So yeah. So, so Darren, taking your flight out to Vancouver. We were checking your bags in and you're, you know, you're kind of, you know, waiting to get on the plane. Is that when you feel like you finally made it? Was it your first, someone's paying you to fly to an yeah. event? Yeah, I felt like, yeah, I mean, I'm going somewhere. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to win this fight. I'm going to stay with Bulldog for a while. You know, they paid pretty good at the time. I'm like, yeah, this is a good start for me. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, me and Justin's flying out. I'm excited. I'm motivated. Um, you know, the guy who I fought, he was, he was pretty good. He had a lot of experience, you know, so I felt like that's a good cast too. He didn't have a great record, but he beat some really good guys, and he just – I mean, he had like, I don't know, 10 more fights than me, 12 more fights than me at the time too. 
Yeah, you always so, want to see how, how they react to different flavors. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, like it's I said, that, that mystique in the Japanese guys, you know, you know, he probably, you know, didn't wear a black belt jujitsu gi his whole career. He probably yeah. didn't wrestle since he was five. He's coming yeah. from a different place. So you never know, you know. Yep. You take eight months off after that fight. Did you get hurt? Uh, no, I want to say. So, so I first was talking about how that fight went. It was kind of another one classic. Chris will tell you. Um, I got rocked the first, like, I don't know, 30 seconds of the fight. He dropped me with, like, a right hand or whatever. And I shot in. I got desperation. Like, I mean, I, got my, I went to wrestling mode. I took him down. And then I got him in that uh, that bulldog choke that I call it the hillbilly, hillbilly for a headlock. The hillbilly uh, headlock, you know what I mean, where I tapped him. So, I'm like, all right. And was, you know, I had a good submission on that one. That was one of those times where it was my first time where I faced, you know, quite a bit of adversity and kind of turned into, like, the classic Elkins type of fighting. It was, like, that first time was that one where – I was in trouble. I found my way out, and then I submitted the guy. Yeah, well, yeah. we joke around a little bit. We, you know, there was news, Jim, nothing but respect, but not a lot of head movement being taught there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Iron chance, maybe, but yeah. head movement, not really. <laughs> so you're eight months layoff. Was it because of a job, or did you, yeah, did well, you get hurt? So- well, I was waiting at the time for to see what happened with Bulldog. You know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to fight for Bulldog again. You know what I mean? So I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And then uh, Bulldog went under. And I'm like, God, now, I, now I'm like, now we got to figure this out, you know, because I wanted to really – and the other thing is, is like, one, I was waiting on that, and then two is I was really trying to develop my game because I went this fast pass, you know, right? I went like – a bunch of fights in a row, and I really didn't have enough time to really soak up all the knowledge. So, you know, I told I told Keith, you know, I mean, let's take a step back, let's let's work on some more of my skills, and then you know, in a few months we'll get back to it. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be the guy who goes fight to fight to fight to fight, and you really never hone your skills. You see that a lot, right? Like you kind of learn a little bit of something in camp, but you really don't hone your skills until outside of camp. So I was like, we're just gonna hone my skills for a while. And then, uh, like I said, we found out that Bulldog was, wasn't going to come back. So I'm like, all right, you know, we'll take a little bit more time. And uh, I was working at the time anyways as a pipe fitter, union pipe fitter apprentice. So I'm like, you know, I wasn't worried about the money. I'm like, what's this honing skills, get better. And then, you know, when it came around and do it, we got a next fight. And th- that's so- a really wise thing because I noticed too many fighters, what they try and do is, you know, their fight camp is like all this – that. That's the time to get in shape. That's it. You learn when you're not in fight camp. Fight camp is about getting ready for that one opponent. That's not when you grow, get levels better. That's yeah. what you do in your off time. So you did a very wise thing, wise above your years ago, and say, man, I got to correct some problems. And you don't do that in a fight camp. You can't do it in a fight camp. No, no you, you're in fight camp. You're just focused on, you know I mean, getting in shape, yep. work out yep. that fight, and that's it. You're not thinking about the whole game. Like when you're outside of fight camp, you don't care about what the guy's going to do. You're just going to learn anything. You're not afraid to go underground. You're not afraid to t- get, let the guy take your back and fight out of it or get on your back or anything like that. Where, you know, in the fight camp, you're thinking, okay, I got to win these scrambles every scramble. So you're not going to take as many risks, right? You're like, I got to win this, stay in shape. You want to keep your confidence high. So you know, you learn a little bit, and I do. I learned a little bit during fight camp, but you, I learned the most outside of fight camp where there's no stress and all it is is just – Learn whatever I wanted to learn, you know. Fun. At this time, uh, 
we used to have a legendary promotion here in the Midwest called the Ironheart Crown. And they had probably about a dozen events. And eventually the two promoters split. Like uh, Eric Moon kept the name Ironheart Crown. I think he only did one more show after they split. And Braulio Correll started C3. So at this point, Darren hasn't made it out of first round yet. Like he's made it to the bell, but the second round is never <laughs> the second yeah. round is never started. And he yep. fought on Bodogs, so now he's got international experience. So they line him up against a guy named DiCarlo Johnson, who is a fantastic opponent. He's a, a, a local coach here. Um, didn't have much of, of a professional career. He's, he, he's no longer in the game, but he's incredibly durable, like incredibly durable. And why don't you take us through what you remember of the fight, and I'll kind of double back with yeah. my notes. So uh, he was, you know, he's very athletic. I remember he's a long athletic guy who uh, could stand up, you know what I mean? So, guy, I'm going to get this guy to the ground because he did. He had pretty good stand up, pretty good power, pretty good experience at the time. And uh, we we're fighting for the, for the title when I say C3 title. So it was the first title type of shot. Had there been any promotion? So I'm pretty pumped. Like, hey, you know, I finally get one of those belts everybody gets that I never had. Um, <laughs> And uh, the first round, yeah, it was a great first round. I mean, I had him, I took him down. I had him in a load of trouble. They almost stopped the fight a few times, but they didn't. And he was just, you know, he was, like you said, durable. He just would not quit. And I had him in a couple positions where I thought, okay, he's going to quit here. He's going to quit. But, you know, he made it out of the first round. And it was a real dominant round. I really didn't take any damage, but he was definitely still there after the first round. It was uh, at least <clears> – <throat> minimally 100 unanswered punches from top position that Darren was throwing. I mean, and it wasn't like he wasn't throwing fastballs, but it was consistent, like, pop, 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 change position, pop, 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 change position, pop, pop, pop. And yeah. when you do things like that, you can get tired really, really easily. So I'm, I'm in the stands going, we're about to see the truth on this guy that Keith Wisniewski's telling me is going to be a world, you know, could possibly be a world champion one day. So I got, I'm just in my head going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And I'm like almost at a hundred. And I'm like, there's no way he can keep this pace up. And I was wrong. It started again <laughs> in the second round where you ended the fight with a standing guillotine. It was some nasty, nasty ground and pound. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm really known for, just ground and pound in those situations. And, man, my cardio from even the wrestling days, that's never been questioned. It's, I'm always going to come in shape. I'm going to come in shape. I'm going to be the best shape guy most of the time. You know what I mean? You're going to have to really you're gonna have to really come in shape if you want to keep up with me. If you think you're going to win this fight and you want to freaking go three rounds with me, you better come in fantastic shape. And that's where, you know – now, if you're not in great shape, I'm going to gas you out, and I'm going to keep bringing I don't stop. I'll keep it the whole time. Like, I might not be the most athletic, so I, I don't know I, I don't know how many times I've maybe lost the first round. I'm a slow starter. I'm not a real explosive fighter. But when it comes down to the second round where it's more a gas tank, more heart, more, you know, blood and guts type of fighter, that's what I excel from second round on. Those are high rounds. In uh... – our little region here, whenever somebody leaves, it makes me like, man, they're representing where we came from. And Derek, I'm incredibly proud of you for what every time you're on TV, I'm telling my friends and family, dude, he's one of us. He made it. He's <laughs> yeah. one of us. And 
one of the people that were at this event also can falls into that category. And that's actually the ring announcer, Ray Flores. Yeah. Ray is full-time with PBC, does <laughs> Spanish commentary, and he's <laughs> announcing with Triller. Miguel, you even brought him down to Costa Rica. I think I may have paid for the plane ticket because I was just telling Ray he couldn't break through. And I'm like, dude, you just need like one international show and everybody else will take you serious. And um, Ray Flores, like what he's done for boxing, man, nothing but love for that guy. Yeah, he's doing great, man. He's commentating everything. I think he was doing wrestling there for a while, too. I've seen him on, right? Was he doing a little yeah. bit of wrestling, too? So, yeah, he's really – I mean, he's really came out and freaking he does everything now. He's doing a great job. I always knew he was good anyways. He always took his job really seriously, but it's great to see a guy like that make it. His dedication mirrors that of yourself in regards to the gym. Like, Miguel and I, we would think, man, is this like a show? Is he, like, kidding us? Is this – I mean, is this, is this real? And he's 24-7. That's him. He, he, is the, he is the announcer. And he yes. knows how to use words to describe things. Fantastic. Yeah, so from was, there, you I love this sport, too. The thing was, is, like, he, he cares about it. I mean, you can feel it when you talk to him. He, comes to these, he came to these fights, and he was excited every time, dude. And I think that goes a long ways, too, is just, like, how excited he was for fights after fights after fights. And he's an MMA guy, and they were using him for boxing. Yep. It's it's a huge miss on the MMA community, not including him, because as good as he is at boxing, he's better at MMA. He I, really I, is. Yeah, I agree. He experienced so, a little bit of the uh, corruption that comes with Costa Rica as yeah, well. Yeah, we, we did our best. Oh, <laughs> did our best. Oh. I was there for that. Oh. All right, you go on and you defend your belt against uh, Ken Klein. You took his back, punched him out, classic Darren. Elkins uh, fight against an opponent that was a little over his head. And then on November 22nd, 2008, you defend your 155-pound C3 title against Pat Coran. Yeah. So for those at home, Pat Coran had an incredible run in Bellator, some amazing wins. Joe Warren was one of the most savage beatings I had ever seen live. Yeah. And uh, Darren fights him before either of them go on to the next level. Did you know that? What did you know about him before this? Well, well, I watched him on, uh, um, what's it called? Um, he was on that show. I can't think of with all the um, tap out, right? Tap out the first time I seen him. You know what I mean? I knew Jeff a little but I watched that show tap out and I seen him. I'm like, all right, they're, they're hyping this guy up. So I'm like, okay, he has some hype behind him, you know? And uh, I knew he was a good fighter. He was undefeated. I think he was like 7-0, and and I was like 6-0 and or 5-0. and We're both undefeated, like almost the same record, you know what I mean? And uh, they're fighting for the title. And I had to tell the time, and I told him, I'm not going to fight for that title anymore. I'm going to go do other things because I, I really didn't want to fight for that show at the time, you know? But uh, he told what me was that. the reason? I just wanted to do other things. I want to travel, truthfully, and fight a little bit more. You know what I mean? Okay. Not, not. So I just want to travel a little bit. I, you know, it'd be kind of a cool experience to travel a little bit. So I was expecting to fight the title for defend my title. Let's put it that way. I was. I think they had something else lined up. I want to say one of our guys was supposed to fight Curran, and he got hurt. So Curran needed an opponent, and I text Braulio like, "Hey, listen." If he wants to fight for the title, I'll fight him for the title. 
I'm like, that's exactly the fight I want. You know, like a big fight, two big names. This is going to catapult one of us. So, uh, yeah. Like, he's like, let me see. He goes, let me see if he'll, he'll take it. We'll talk to Jeff about it. So I think Jeff was managing him at the time. And he came back. He's like, yeah, we'll, we'll do this fight. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Two big undefeated fighters. And uh, I had a feeling that one of us was going to take off from there. And, you know, it turns out we both took off from there. Took off from there. So do you remember the first round? Oh, yeah. He, he got me with a couple. Here's the thing. So he caught me with some, a couple of things. Uh, I always tell the story. He caught me with some, some big knees and some big punches, right? He rocked me a little bit. But you got to remember, we fought in the ring. It was a ring back then. It wasn't the cage. So I had two takedowns where he was going. I had a by lock. He's going all the way down. But the rope was the only thing holding him up. You know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, man. You know what I mean? So I have him in a position. Uh, he's going all the way down a body lock, but we had the rope between my arms and him. So the only thing I was holding him up was a rope a couple of times. And then I had, I took him down and we fell out of the ring and they stood us back up. I was on oh. top. We fell on the score table and they stood us back up. And I think that's when he rocked with the big knee. So I was in some trouble that round. It was definitely a, a, a crazy round. Um, you know, I, I felt like, man, if this was in the cage, maybe it would be a little bit different for a first round, but <laughs> a hard round, you know. But the cardio came into play a second round. Like I said, that's when, uh, you know, the fight for me is really starts in the second round. And I took him down. And from the very, very beginning of the second round on, it was all me. So I, I won the last two rounds. Um, I definitely wore him out. I think that was the first really tough fight that he, he he had to fight for three rounds too it's my first time fighting three rounds really tough rounds too and i was ready for it though that's the type of fighter i was and uh it was a great fight people talk about that fight still to these day this day that's there it was a great fight and uh like i said it's it's, it's awesome because now we both look back like okay he's been a bellator champion i've been a ufc fighter forever and people didn't even realize how big of a fight that was going to be it was a hot crowd like, yes, you I mean, it was literally 15 minutes from your house. <laughs> yep. And Pat Coran is probably driving a little over an hour, probably an hour and a half, an hour, probably 45 hour minutes. But but the Coran gym always traveled real well. Like they would have buses in order to uh, you know go to his fights. And the first run that I recalled, it was a 10 eight. It was it was he had you stunned a couple of times. The referee was on his tiptoes, but, you know, backed off, backed off. And then in the second and third round, I was shocked at how that tide turned because you smashed them. Like it was yeah. just dominant position after dominant position with a ground and pound, ground and pound, ground and pound. And that slick current jujitsu, which is, is underrated in my opinion, um, yeah. it, just, it just didn't work on you at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean – like most people, they come in there and they it's the cardio, it's the grappling. You really don't – I'm one of those guys that you really don't know how good of a grappler I am until you really get in there and you grapple with me. You can look at me and you watch me on TV. You're like, yeah, he's pretty good. But until you actually feel me, feel the pressure I put, how hard I can scramble, you really don't get the feel of how good of a grappler I am, you know? At this point, like after this fight, did you realize that Pat – would do so well in his career after that fight? Um, I had a feeling, man. I mean, I had a feeling with both. I mean, he was a tough fight. My eye was black. I mean, he I was a little bloody in that one. And uh, 
I knew that was a hard fight. So I was like, man, I was, I guess I was stoked. I knew it was a big win for me. You know, we, I talked about it right that night. I'm like, hey, man, this is going to be the fight that most people are going to remember for now, you know? And it was talked about for a while in the area. And, you know, it's all obviously still talked about today. People bring up that fight all the time that, that interviewed me from the area. Um, but you never know. I think one of those things where our career has changed so much. But, you know, he took off before I took off, really. You know, he became a Bellator champion. A little bit after that's when I got signed to the UFC. And, you know, the thing about him is, is uh, he had a hell of a career at Bellator. And I, I think eventually, I hope one day to, to interview him as well, like much like we are you. I have a feeling that fight was probably the defining moment in his career of what, where he was at the crossroads and understood what he needed to do in order to achieve the success that, that he had gotten. Yeah, he was, you know, we talked a little bit, about, I've talked to, to Pat a few times, you know, um, seen him in some UFCs, seen him in some local shows. And he's like, you know what? I think after I fought you, I realized how big, cardio was and how much better be. he's like I never experienced anything like that until I fought you and I was like he's like from then on he really focused on getting in better shape and never breaking like that again you know I, I wish that fight was on YouTube because yeah. it's you can't find it anywhere I, I looked everywhere you'll never hear that one I I have it we had it on YouTube for a while but uh my wife was drinking that night, and she said a lot of words that should never be on. You'll so, never find that fight video ever again. So, uh, that one for myself. Rough. It's a little, uh, it's a little embarrassing for her and me. So I'm like, you know what, Keith had it on now. Like Keith, you gotta take that thing off right away. And he took it off, and that's been gone since. That's a good move. Good move. Yeah, yeah really I was stuff. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'll probably get a little embarrassed. People probably wouldn't like me very much if they heard some of the words that she was saying about him. But so uh, hey, never she, she loves her man. She you loves know? her man. You know, she has to be crazy. If she's married to me. So I, mean, I can't expect anything else from her. I respect that. So your next big fight. All right. Benchmarks. Airplane rides. Black belts. You know, those are incredibly important in the development of a person, especially like a newer fighter. And a first loss is also falls into that category. On September 12, 2009, he fought Ted Worthington on the Doomland Classic, I might add. That was yep. one of the events that Keith and I initially had started. And eventually, I kept cutthroat. He kept Doomland. And we, you know, we worked together. Um, what do you recall about that fight? Man, it was, it was another pound. I think he missed weight by five or six pounds. Yeah. He thought it was... Uh, he thought the fight was at 170, he said, and, you know, like six pounds, guy. Um, and it's one of those things where as a fighter, it's tough because I, I wasn't very happy with the weight, how the weight was. You know, that's a big difference. He was a bigger guy than his. He mostly fought at 170. Um, but it's one of those things that got how many tickets you sell. You know, I sold probably 200 tickets that night. Uh. all the tickets. I know it's not going to happen. So, you know, the guy, I'll take this fight. And uh, he, you know, he didn't have a great record. I knew he was a bigger guy. Um, he had pretty good power. And the other thing I remember about that night, it was an outdoor event, right? So oh. it was that day. It was one of those raining off, off and on rain. So the mat was real slick that day. And uh, he caught me with a big, I want to say it was, it was a right hand or an uppercut, one of the two. And he dropped me for a split second. 
and I hit my knees and I pop right back up. I'm probably about five or six feet away from them. I had my hands up and they stopped the fight. Now, you know what I mean? I slipped a little bit because it was raining, but that was it. You know what I mean? And then even the ref said that oh. night, my man, he's like, sorry. He goes, I know it was a bad stoppage, oh. but I mean, it's at the point where, you know how MMA is, the MMA is crazy. So you just got to kind of go with it. And you know, I learned from that position. You know, when a referee does that, like Bob Long, who was a referee. Yeah, Bob Long's a good dude, too. He, he he doesn't, if he makes a mistake, he goes and finds you, apologizes, admits yep. to it. And you you ref 100 fights, you're going to have one where, you know, you might not make the best call. At this time, so Derek Elkins comes into this fight at 9-0. And, and Ted Worthington comes in at 29-16, and 16, but a very seasoned fighter. And he's also, I think he was cornered by Josh Neer. So he was one of Josh Neer's training partners. And usually, Derek, you kind of got out of Darren. your... Darren. Or Darren, dude, I'm, I'm like thinking in my head. You're getting out of your... That's two in a row, Chris. Yeah, I, yes. I got Eve yesterday, uh, last it's, night. You said Darren earlier, though, so you had yeah, it right earlier. I, I get it? Okay. So, Darren, Darren you kind of get out of your normal rhythm. Like, normally you kind of go in, hit a straight takedown, or even if you back up a little bit, it's just to kind of set up a shot as they move forward. It appeared you attempted to do something different by doing, like, a, a stand-up. You wanted to do a stand-up exchange prior to that. I, I wanted to... To get him, and he was a real. I wanted to get him in exchange so I could take him down, but I mean, he hit me with a good first punch. I'm not gonna lie to say I wasn't stunned, so it wasn't like the worst stoppage I've ever seen. I definitely was, I, I hit my knee. Like, it was a good stoppage. No, I mean, um, I was mad <laughs> at the time, but I'm one of those guys that's like, you know what, I've had breaks in my career now. People had it goes both ways you get some breaks, you get some good breaks, you get some bad breaks. If you're gonna be in this career for a long time you're gonna have both and you're gonna have to learn to deal with them and i was so upset i mean it was your first loss is devastating and i was thinking that back for a while but i learned a lot about myself then you know i mean i'm a i'm a tough guy as it is and i that just motivated me more and i and i just you know we i sat next to keith and we talked about what's next and i didn't let it uh really affect me that much you know what we're just gonna keep on moving forward that's all we can do Darren, so, now I know with my myself every every time before the UFC fights, I had you know the referees come and talk to you, and I'd always be like, "Hey, you have any questions?" I'd be like, "Yeah, you know, like I've been not, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been hit hard. I've been hurt, but uh, yeah, don't I always recover? Do not stop this fight unless yeah. I'm not moving. I'll say, look, do not if I'm in a bad submission, don't stop it. I'll tap. Yeah. If I'm not moving, you can stop it, but." And I always try to tell them to make sure they give me every benefit of the doubt. I'm like, okay, I appreciate that. I'm going to stop it if you can't move, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Did you learn after that? Maybe I should talk to the referees. I always make sure I did just in case. I always want to do everything I could. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I learned, I learned a lot from that. One is like, uh, you know, now that, especially in these type of referees position, they tell you they're going to give you a warning, right? They're going to say move or something like that. Or they're going to yeah. stop like then I can just go. It's over if you're coming back up. You're gonna say, "All right, you gotta defend yourself, Darren." You know what I mean? If they tell you to defend yourself, and you're not defending yourself. Then they're gonna stop the fight. So I understand that, and I make sure it's clear. Okay, you're gonna say this. Yep. Okay, I understand. If you tell me to defend myself, if I'm not defending myself, and he hits me, that's that's the fight. I understand that point. And uh, for me, more in my career now, it's not even so much about that. It's, I'm gonna bleed. I tell the ref, "Listen, I'm gonna bleed." Yeah. Don't stop. 
with the blood, I'll keep fighting. If you feel like the doctor needs to come in and look at the, the, the cut, I'm okay with that. But do not stop the fight just because I'm bleeding. I'm going to bleed. You looked at me, I'm probably going to bleed right now. It's not a big thing. I'm going to bleed. Just let me keep fighting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Derek goes on uh, from Ted Worthington to fight an Ultimate Fighter uh, house member. Uh, November 20, 2009, you fight, fight Gideon Ray at Ooh. 155, I might add. So Gideon goes down. Gideon dropped. Yeah. He was 185. Yeah, he dropped down to 70, and then he was uh, he he had one fight at, I want to say, a total fight challenge at 155, and then his next fight was going to be me. So I'm like, right, he, I watched him at 155, and then we, you know, Keith worked it out. We got that fight on uh, you know, at 155, and I was like, yeah, that's perfect. Wow. Big game. I mean, mostly a stylistically matchup for me. He's mostly a striker, decent grappling, but not a great grappler. He, uh, I, I counted how many punches he landed in that fight against yourself. If you had to guess an over under, what do you think it might be? Darren? 10, maybe. <laughs> yes. Darren I took him down. down. I landed punches after punches after punches. It was a very dominant fight for me. It was, it was like, if you looked at the punch count, it would have been like, you know, maybe 300 on one side and maybe six. On the other side, yeah, and and you know, I mean, that speaks volumes because Gideon Ray, he's a bad boy, man. Oh, yeah. He's a tough guy. Like, legitimately, you know, his record is, is right around five hundred. But you're not going to sit here and tell me he's a black belt in jujitsu. He's a, a phenomenal athlete, and he's a huge one fifty five pounder. Yes, and he was. it was kind of a coming out party, almost like a passing of the guard, and. You had Josh Shockley and Keith and Justin Wisniewski in your corner, and it was it was nice just to kind of see like that show of force of the guys that you're in the gym with every single day, walking to the ring and cornering you. And do you recall your post fight interview? No, I don't. I don't. I can't say. No. So Darren announces that he plans on going to the WEC, and he's cutting to 145. Those were the two yeah. things. Yeah, outside of thanking the audience. His next fight is in the UFC at 155. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you about that. So I was planning on making 145 because I was starting to just my, – my body was changing of all the training so much and stuff. So one, 145 was starting to look like an easy weight cut for me, you know what I mean? So I'm thinking 145 is definitely where I want to go. Um, I think I'd be more successful. And at the time, there was no UFC. That's before they merged. And it was if you wanted to fight for the 145, the biggest thing was WEC, right? So I'm thinking the WEC is where I'm going to go. Um, the the matchmaker for the WEC, who is now the UFC matchmaker, Sean Shelby, called me. And he's like, "Listen, I got a WEC fight for you." He's like, "But it's on like five days notice." I go, "I can't make the wait in five days." I go, "It's the first time I'm gonna make it." And he gave me—I can't remember the guy's name—but he gave me a tough opponent, and I was decently big at the time. So I'm like, ah, "I'm not gonna make 45." So I'm sorry, you know. Keep me in mind, but I can't make it that soon. And then, uh, so, so I missed out on that. And two days later, the UFC called me, and they're like, <laughs> "We got a 155 matchup for you, and it's in." 
two and a half. I think it was three weeks. I'm like, yeah, I can make, you know, I'm thinking now I'm making more money in the, w, the UFC. I fought all my fights at 155. Um, and it was three weeks. So I'm like, yeah, I can do that fight for sure. I'll make more money. I'm, let's do this one instead, you know. So I fought at 155, my first two fights in the UFC. And then they merged over with the WEC. And then and I was like, you know what? I'm dropping down to 145. So it all kind of worked out for me. I fought at 55, two more fights. And then once they merged over, I'm like, hey, I told the, I told the matchmaker, Joseph, I'm like, hey, I want to drop down to 145. That's what I wanted to do kind of from the beginning. And he's like, all right, we'll do that. From then on, I fought 145. What they did with, 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 with Darren was they brought him out to Colorado to fight Dwayne Ludwig in his hometown at Oof. 155 on three weeks' notice. Oof. Darren, why don't you tell everybody it's, it's a, a really strange fight. Dar Darren's had a, a couple weird fights. This is definitely one of them. Yeah, definitely one of them. So we, we start the fight out. Um, I take a shot. I miss the first one. Um, he, I think he tried to throw a couple punches. I shoot. He kind of sprawls. I come back up and I shoot again. And I, he kind of has me in a sprawl position, but I kept on running my feet. So I ran all the way to we got to the cage. He hit the cage. I locked up a double leg. I picked him off 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 a double and I slam him down. But when he when I slam him down, he posts his leg. So when I put when he slams it, he has the weight of me and him on his on his leg and it broke and it breaks his ankle like a really bad yeah. break the bone just I mean, it's, it didn't come out of skin but it looked like it was gonna come out of skin so um i wasn't even sure what happened at first he started tapping and i stopped you know i'm like what the heck happened you know what i mean and uh i looked down and i could see his ankle i looked at jumbo time they showed it and his ankle was just it was destroyed you know he was out for a while because of that but it was just because he posted his leg when I was going for a takedown and he took the weight of both of us and just snapped his ankle in half. Wow. When he was walking out there, I tell the story all the time. They picked him up and he's walking out there. He's smiling, waving the fans and stuff. And I'm like, I'm about to cry for this guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm like freaked out for him. Dude. I'm like, Oh God. But he was smiling. He was waving the crowd. Wow. Father, I'm like, dude, that's a tough dude. He didn't even freaking, he didn't see. All you hear him was like, ah, he tapped. And then from then on, he didn't show any freaking pain. Wow. What was, did you have the UFC jitters going into that? Yeah, I mean, you kind of had the, I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean, I competed in, I've been competing all my life. This is all I've done. You know what I mean? Um, you know, my, and my wife flew out there, too. It was kind of weird because my wife flew out there, and she was extremely pregnant. You know what I mean? She was, like, a few weeks out from having the baby. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, I was a little worried about, you know, this baby could come any day. But <laughs> she lied about it. She, she, she threw a huge fit to, to get on the plane because they didn't want her to fly. So it was a little extra stress in this one. But um, as far as the jitters, when the time came, like, I'm, I am I can live with the nerves. I'm, I'm a competitor. That's really who I am. Like, I like a lot of the aspects of this sport, but for me, I'm a competitor. That's really why I do it. Not so much the fame, not so much the money. It's definitely a plus. I love it, but it's the competitiveness. You know, I, I want to be a competitor. And then once, once we do that walk, I mean, I'm in, I'm in a different zone from then on out, you know? Yeah, I, I saw something recently where you're, you're like – Crawling up the list of like wins from the underdog position, you know. Yeah. Uh, this this would have been obviously you were an underdog with Dwayne. What was your thoughts on that? Is that 
But does that sit well with you? Does that motivate you, or you're like, I don't care? I, I guess and I posted this. I want to say like a couple, couple, a few days ago. I've been an underdog all my life, dude. I hope people bet against me. That never affects me. I mean, some people get spooked and they get scared, and you know, he's had some crazy fights at the time, but. I'm thinking, man, if I get this guy on the ground, I'm going to destroy Dwayne. You know what I mean? Under my feet. <laughs> but on the ground, I'm like, dude, I'm so much better. He's crafty on the ground, but I'm like, I'm so much better than him on the ground. So I had a belief that I was going to come in here and, and take the show. Nobody heard of me. So, got, of course, I'm going to be the underdog. You know what I mean? Like a guy who, you know, I was 10 and 1, nobody ever heard of versus Dwayne Ludwig fighting his hometown who's uh, had a lot of hype behind him. They're going to definitely bet on him, but never, never affected me in my life. Even now, you know, they said I have the most underdog wins at 10 now. The last one was 10. Wow. And I have the, the most underdog wins. So, I mean, especially in Vegas. Listen, if, if I'm the underdog in Vegas, I, I put on my best performances. So I wasn't Vegas there, but underdog in, in Vegas, I've had some great performances. I'm like, dang, man, that's where you win the money at. So you see me fighting on, on the Vegas card, and I'm an underdog, bet some money on me because you're going to win some money. <laughs> Darren, um, when Dwayne Ludwig and Team Alpha Male had their falling out, was this fight brought up just amongst, like, your your, your training partners? <laughs> just out of curiosity. Of course it is. Of course it is. I mean, I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not that guy who's, uh, I'm very uh, level-headed and I'll talk about it, but I, I mean, what happened there before I, before I was there, it's, I can't control that. There's some hard feelings and, you know, some things that happened with Dwayne. I'll talk about it. You know, we, we joke around about it. Like, what's the Oak is going to break his ankle again? You know what I mean? But not, I've, not, I've seen Dwayne Ludwig a few times after that. I don't have a problem with him. I have nothing but respect, you know? Well, that, and that for those like, at home that are keeping score, uh, Dwayne Ludwig is a former Muay Thai world champion. And as, yep. as Darren had mentioned earlier, he was 191 and nine in high school. And that included, for wrestling, it included a, a state title. So it was your yep. classic grappler versus striker matchup. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I progressed a lot in my stand up and, you know, certain things. From, and, but at the point I was all grappling. I mean, I had a little bit of, a little bit of stand up, but I didn't do very much stand up at all. I wanted to get to the ground as fast as I could and, and smother a guy. Mike mentioned it, that obviously you're with alpha male now and talk a little bit about, you know, how you talk to Keith about that transition. Cause I know you had support and that's very nice and very rare. 2014. So why don't you talk about how Keith, you know, helped you move on and, and how, you know, that yeah. went down. So um, I, I just lost um, another fight in the UFC. I think I lost, um, who was it? Uh, Hakron, okay? Hakron Diaz. And um, I'm very disappointed. I thought I put on a crappy fight. I mean, it wasn't so much. I've had fights that just like, yeah, I mean, you lose. But it wasn't that, it wasn't that I thought that, the loss, the guy was tough. I just thought I didn't compete. You know I mean, I thought I could perform a lot better than that. I just, I felt, you know, I didn't, I felt off my game. So I felt like I had to do something different. You know what I mean? And um, this, this is when Dooman was, uh, it was changing, you know, um, Josh Shackley retired. Um, Keith retired. Um, Eddie Wineland didn't train with us anymore. So I'm, I'm the big dog now, you know I mean? I'm the only big dog. We had some other training partners, but there wasn't, really caliber fighters at the time. I mean, they're great guys. I love the team, but it was something that like, 
I'm doing a lot of the teaching at the gym now. Instead of like people teaching me, work with me, I'm doing a lot of this, doing that for them. So I need a little change up. Like I said, I went to Team Alpha Male for the first time. It was like this, uh, just to try it out. I went for like six to seven weeks. And, uh, you know, I just fell in love with it, you know. that It's like out here, I want to say it's like a college atmosphere. You know what I mean? Like a good a good camaraderie. You have fun. Team practices. I mean, just just some good stuff here. And I was like, I fell in love with the gym right from the beginning, you know. And um, so I, I fought that fight that in Keith cornered me the next that fight that came out for this training camp. And then after that, you know, I thought, you know, I, I got to make this move. So I sat down and Keith, I'm like, listen, man, I go, I'm, I'm going to leave the gym. I go, I don't want any hard feelings. I want you to know before I tell anybody else, you know, because he, like I said, he took care of me. This guy's, he's, he's a brother to me, you know. Um, and I told him, it's a hard, I'm sorry. I, you know, it breaks my heart, but um, I, I need something different. And I'm going to go to Team Alpha Male, move to California. You know, I think at first he was, I think like anything, he was a little disappointed at first, but he got over it real quick and he understood. I mean, this is like anything, a career move that I had to do. I mean, we had to change something in my career. I mean, it would have been over. So um, he supported me. Anyway, hey, me and Keith, we talk still all the time. He came out here a little while ago. We came to Yosemite. We, we did the, the half dome climb with the, his kid and him and my family. And he's still like a really big, you know, a friend of mine. And I always, I always consider him a, a brother and appreciate what he did for me. Cause without him, I wouldn't be here. All right. So let's, let's rewind a little bit. We kind of skipped a little uh, forward. So your first fight's 44 seconds in the UFC. Yeah. Your second fight is against DeBronx, Charles yeah. Oliveira, future UFC world champion. And that fight's only 41 seconds long. Yeah. Want to take us through it? Yeah, so I'm fighting him. I think he was like, you know, 20, 20 years old or something like that. Maybe He's 20. Probably yeah. 21. Yeah, I want to say he was 20. This young up and coming. And I knew he was a jujitsu guy. You know what I mean, but I'm thinking, I go against jujitsu guys all the time. You know what I mean? Just, that's fine. I want to go on the ground with this guy, you know? And uh, we go out. I hit him with a couple clean shots didn't rock him or anything but him was a couple clean shots right from the beginning i get him against the cage i pick him up and i'm thinking it was an easy pickup and i'm like man i'm gonna knock him out i'm gonna slam him on his head and knock him out because it was a big slam you know what i mean so i hurry up and i slammed him as hard as i could and when we hit the ground like we i slammed him so hard like we separated a little bit like we had space there you know so my knees were no longer underneath me and he and he was ready for it. he wrapped up a triangle right away and uh, he transitioned to that triangle. I put, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm fighting this triangle, fighting this triangle. I'm almost out of the triangle. I'm out of the triangle. He switched his arm bar, and he was going to break my arm, so I tapped. And it was uh, the, the only, only submission loss I've ever had in my career. You know, the first guy to ever tap, the last guy, hopefully, ever to do that. But I learned a lot about jujitsu after that, you know, what to do and what not to do. And, I mean, he's a high, he's a high caliber. I mean, grappler, obviously, nothing to be ashamed of. But I was disappointed because now I've had a minute of fighting in the UFC, and you know, nobody knew anything about me. Just one, I broke the guy's ankle, and two, I I got submitted real quickly. So it was kind of kind of ironic. There's a uh, roundtables, like in regards to matchmaking, that the UFC has. Any large organization does. And at this point, I have a feeling they're saying. 
Well, we've had him twice. You know, he hasn't made the 52nd mark yet. Here, throw him Edson Barboza, and whatever happens, happens. Uh, and that, that fight got canceled. I, I, I believe I read that you had hurt your knee. What was the reason behind that canceling? And are you kind of yeah. on the same thought process that I am in regards to their feelings about you at that point? Yeah, the feeling they wanted me out of there. I mean, like, okay, I mean, if he, if he survives, he survives. But it's one of those things where it's like uh, Edson, Bar- Edson Barbosa. And you know, I watched a lot of film with this guy, and I pulled my meniscus. And I'm like, so my knee is, I mean, it's pretty torn. And if it was anybody else, maybe I'd consider it. But I'm like, dude, he kicks legs like a crazy dude. He's going to tear my knee right off. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, yeah, I, I checked it out. My doc's like, listen, this is a really bad tear. You got to get this thing taken care of right away. So I, I had to pull out. The only fight I ever pulled out was Edson Barbosa. And, um, uh luckily I, you watched that fight dude he 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 won that fight by leg kicks he he said he the guy got tko'd because he couldn't even walk anymore so they stopped uh, the- like, it was uh i think off the top of my head i think it was dance <laughs> was it dan stigeon no it was uh M- mike uh L- because of no lulo like lulo oh yeah yeah he yes. was my and he went by TKO for leg kicks. I'm going, Ooh. I mean, I had knee surgery, and I'm looking at it like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I have a kneecap Ooh. left. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> healthy, but with a hurt knee and fighting Edson Barbosa, when he's got those heavy leg kicks, oh, I'm, that was a smart move on mine to get that surgery. Well, it also bought you time because your next yep. fight's at 145. You yep. actually got to fight at the weight class that you, you had wanted, and – it shuffled the deck in regards to the opponents. Michihiro yeah. Omigawa, who is a uh, black belt in judo, four-time national champion, and yourself, obviously a high-end grappler. So you had two high-end grapplers. And Chris, what do we say when two high-end grapplers usually do stand up fight? Stand up boxing match. <laughs> and listen, so. I'm not going to say the UFC did me any favors at 145. I mean, it is what it is. UFC is different now. There's a lot of fighters. Back then, there, was no, there wasn't a lot of fighters, right? So I'm fighting a top 10 in the world. Like, Michiro Omagawa is top 10 in the world at 145. You know what I mean? He, he came off some big wins. He's had some great wins in his career. So I'm fighting a top 10 featherweight right off the bat. You know what I mean? And it was a stand-up. And it was, you know, my face all bruised up. And I had... Took him down a couple of times. He took he took me down a couple of times, and um, I wanted to say I want to I want a unanimous decision. But you know, people talk about the judging and all that. Um, I definitely didn't think I won the third. I thought I thought I won the first two, but you know, it's not my not my not my job to do the the judging. People thought he got you won the fight. You won the fight. I thought I yeah. did. You know, most people used to thought used to always tell me you know he got robbed, but. I went back and I watched it. If you watch how I fight, I'm going to bleed. I think a lot of people didn't know at the time because I'm going to bleed. I'm going to have a bruised face. Like, that's just who I am. You flick me, I'm bleeding, right? So, I think if you knew now, yeah, definitely. Like, oh, no, that's an average Elkins fight. He's beating the hell of the guy, but the guy looked at me. He's bleeding everywhere. You know what I mean? So, um, I won that fight. And I was, I was kind of like – so, so coming up to this point, they talk about the changing and where you, you see a big shift too. So, I'm a union pipe fitter. Right at the time, five ninety seven. I'm five ninety seven, baby, Chicago. Um, so I'm fi- I'm 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 still fighting full time, which means I'm doing forty hours or more most of the time more, and I'm fighting the UFC. 
I mean, they gave me my time off the fights and stuff like that, but I'm an apprentice, so I couldn't take off whenever I wanted to, right? So I'm still I'm still a union fight for the full time. After this fight, I get my union card right after this fight, okay? I get my union card, and from then on, I could take off whenever I want. From then on, I would, I would take off. I had a lot more time to really focus on fighting instead of doing both, right? Like, I was still pipefitting some, but I, was, I could take off 12, 15 weeks at a time, focus oh all on fighting, really hone my game, and, not, and really live the lifestyle instead of, like, working and training at the same time. So from there on, you'll see a big shift in my game, like where my fighting really started to step up. Hey, you're fighting full time, right? So yep. Darren goes on a five fight win streak and another hometown guy who I'm never going to root against. I, I think at one time your, your teammate as well, Clay Guida pulls out of a fight against Chad Mendes. Yeah. Where you step in at a last minute notice fight and in essence, Chad Mendez is ranked number one. You're on a five-fight win streak. Yeah. I think you're kind of looking at, let me try to get through this guy and uh, maybe get sneak into a title fight. Yeah. I mean, well, fighters, right? I'm thinking, okay. I knew Chad. I, I watched Chad a million times. He was, you know, a great fighter. He's always been a great fighter. But I was like, man, if I can pull this one off, I'm sneaking right there in a title. Why? Well, you know, that's my main goal is shoot for the title. So I'm like, yeah. I didn't like that was short notice. Like I said, I just knocked out a dude. And, you know, they, they told me that day, hey, what do you think about fighting Chad Mendez? I'm like, dude, I didn't even have a beer yet. Let me have, let me drink my beer for a day or two and think of, eat some food and I'll tell you about it. You know what I mean? And so, I, yeah, I took that fight. Definitely. It's an opportunity. I still, I don't regret it. I'll do it again. I'm that type of fighter. Like, listen, as us as fighters, we fight. That's what we're supposed to do. And opportunity comes and they go. And that was an opportunity that uh, I had to take, you know. And I think the UFC respects me because these type of opportunities. Like, most people shy away from opportunity. I'm going to take my time. Maybe I'm not going to win, but I'll come in there and I'll do my best. No doubt. So, Darren, was this the first time you'd ever been knocked out? Yeah, I, it wasn't a complete knockout, but it was a, he TKO'd me. Because, I, I mean, he, he dropped me, but I came back up the same way. I thought it was a good stoppage because I, I was definitely hurt pretty bad, but I wouldn't say a full knockout. It was and, more of a TKO. And, you know, the telling thing is, one, I'm assuming that's where your relationship with Alpha Male started, as well as um, in the corners, you got Dwayne Ludwig and Danny Castillo – Dwayne, former opponent, Danny Castillo, is somebody that's a perennial corner of yours from, from you know, your, your switch of teams on out. Did they talk to you at that event about maybe coming out and working out at Team Alpha Male? So, a little bit before that, I met Ryan Faber. I think the first time was at the Colorado. When I fought Dwayne Lug was the first time I met Ryan Faber. And it was like, we're partying at Clay Guida's uh, motorhome. It's the first time I met Ryan. Hey, I'm Ryan Fabry. I'm <laughs> the dude's making some drinks. You know, Clay Guida. Hey, what's going on? You know, we wow. So I got to know Faber a little bit. And we fought on a couple of shows like close by there. And I've, I've talked to him a few times, even before I fought Chad Mendez. And I talked to, you know, Joe Benavidez and Chad Mendez before I like the UFC summits and stuff like that. And, we always got along like like-minded people. I felt like, you know what I mean? Like hard workers, just like that type of thing. So I always got along with these guys. 
And I always got along with Chad, but this is business. I mean, he he wanted what he had something I wanted, and I I went. For, you know? <coughs> and uh, I figured with the type of fighters they had, and they were having a lot of success at the time, you know, wrestlers who could do a little bit of everything. It made sense for my style. You know what I mean? Like the one thing I can tell about Alpha Male or stuff like most these gyms, they don't try to change your whole style, right? Like you go to some of these those gyms, like. Okay, you, I'm a grappler. I, that's what won me a ton of fights. Won me all my fights pretty much until this point, right? Then I got to try to change me into a striker. You see that sometimes. Okay, you go to the gym. Okay, now you're going to be boxer. No, no. I, I want to make it better. If I have to do that, I'll do that. But I don't want to shy away from really what I'm good at. And that's you know, one I think thing it wouldn't do. That That's what I think makes a good coach is somebody who can – a bad coach uh, – some coaches try and teach everybody the way they do things. Good coach can look at you and go, okay, um, we're just going to add to what you already do well and yep. add to that. We're not going to try and change you to make you another fighter because they can only coach one kind of fighter. A good coach can coach all kinds of fighters and add to that. So that's why they um, – real quick, uh, I don't know if you saw Chad Mendez just signed to do bare knuckle BKFC. He's, yep. uh, he just signed the other day. What do you think – how do you think he will do there with that punching power and ability? Well, I knew he was going to do that. You know, I'm really close to the whole team, and I've seen okay. Chad. He told me about this. I mean, I knew about this like a month ago. You know what okay. I mean? <laughs> I knew about it. We all kept it hush-hush, but I knew about it. Um, he was coming in there, and we have the same boxing coach that does all the mitts and stuff like that, and he was hitting me. He was telling me about it. You know, he's like, hey, you know, they gave me a great a great contract, and I'm like, all right, that makes sense. He told, told me he was making stuff. I'm like, yeah, it makes sense to me. I would do it too, so – uh um, as for Bare Knuckles, man, he hits hard. I mean, I fought a lot of guys, and he's one of the hardest hitting dudes I went against, you know. I think the big thing for him that I told him a few times that he's going to have to work on, you probably know this now, work on your placement, right? Because you oh, yeah. swing and break your hands in this. You see it all yep. the time. But Bare Knuckles, he has so much power, he's got to work on where he places his punch. Because if you throw a wild punch and it hits him on the top of the head and breaks your hand, change up the game. Can't, you yep. can't hit that you know you can hit, you gotta take away from the power and add more placement of his punches and i think if he learns that he's gonna do great agreed yeah one of the uh, uh, that, that's funny he knows he knows a month in advance i found out yesterday i mean so, they were talking about it he was saying you know i'm sure he probably didn't sign it the last minute he signed it like the week of my fight i'm i want to say is when i heard he signed it but he was in talks for a while. He's like, I think I'm going to do this. You know what I mean? So he was planning on coming there and doing yeah. it the whole time. I want to say it was he signed like the week of my fight, like the 20th or something like that, 21st or something like that. That's actually when he, when he actually signed for the bare knuckles. Wow. So yeah. one of your uh, corners also was Steve Cologne that night. Yep. Why don't you let us know what kind of influence Steve had with yourself? All right. Even me. Um, so what happened was I was looking for, I was training at Duma Valtudo for a long time. And I wanted a little bit more of a, a stand-up type of, of, of a coach. You know what I mean? And uh, Steve has always been like a, a really well-known guy in the area, right? Um, and after, I want to say the Omegawa fight is when I, no, yeah, after the Omegawa fight, it's when I started training with Steve. From then on, I, I, I followed Steve on maybe six or seven UFC fights. And uh, we split time with Duma Mountudo and uh, Cologne MMA. 
And uh, he was, you know, he's a great friend of mine. I still keep really good touch. That guy's, he's another one of my brothers. You know what I mean? He let me come in, train anytime, worked, worked with me. I mean, he's such a good dude. And he, I mean, he has some of the best fighters for sure in the area and in, in Indiana, Northwest Indiana. Um, so I worked with him for, you know, quite a bit of my career. Um, a lot of my stand-up stuff, um, a lot of my uh, jiu-jitsu, you know, Carlson Gracie jiu-jitsu came in and we did a lot of that together. And uh, he just really took care of me and just a great guy in the team. It's, you know, he built that team up. He, and I was part of that too from the beginning. You know, he started maybe a little bit before me, he started his gym. And I knew I knew from about him for a long time because when I was wrestling, he was coaching wrestling. So we kind of met the first time then. And then uh, I seen he had some fighters and like I told him I was looking for something different. And he's like, Hey, come in anytime, you know, train with us. And I trained with them a few times. And uh, I was like, you know what? I want to train with these guys more often. And I kind of just made it like a full thing with them guys. And he's Good got, an, he's, he's got an awesome you. gym right now too. Yeah. And uh, Angel Man Freddy's in there doing some help with the boxing too. I went up there a while ago and saw me. Angel Man Freddie, just, you know, former world champ, phenomenal guy to have in the gym. Yeah, he was uh, Angel Man Freddie. I met him quite a bit. Um, he was at one of the old gyms, too, when I was training there. So, yeah, definitely, man. He has, you know, Angel's been in and out, world champion, one of the best boxers ever do it in the area. It's nice to have him and, you know, pick his brain, too. And that new gym and pictures I haven't visited yet. I always visit when I'm in Indiana, train with him a little bit, help teach class or whatever, but – I'm looking forward to it. I've seen it here. It looks awesome. That's a state-of-the-art gym there. So we're going to fast forward a few years. And in, I think there's a couple times in your career where the UFC has said, you know, man, we've had a good run with him. It's kind of time to uh, put him out. Let's just put him in a fight where he probably doesn't win. And, and we, we put him out to the pasture and we, we move on. And they kind of did you a little bit dirty. On July 23rd, 2016, you fight at UFC 209. Chris, you got to check this out. It's in Chicago. They give him uh, Mursad Bektik. And Mursad Bektik, Darren is a plus 700 underdog. He's 20 minutes away from his house, you know, in Chicago. And they announce him first. He's not even the second guy to enter the cage. I did see this fight. I did see this fight, but go ahead. So, you know, Darren, t take us through it, and I, I've got some notes I'd like to run run by you as well. Well, I mean, as far as you said, the UFC did me dirty. I'm, I think I'm on a three-fight win streak. Um, mm -hmm. I want to say I'm ranked top 15 in the world. I've been top 15 in the world for, I don't know, three or four years easily at the time. Um, so I'm the 14. You were 14 and he was 13. So yeah. in regards to rankings, you're correct. Yeah, so it made sense. Like, like he was the up-and-comer. He had a lot of hype behind him. He beat some good guys. Um, so, yeah, he was the favorite. But I felt like as the UFC doing me dirty, it wasn't really dirty. I mean, they've always treated me pretty well. They, This is the fight game, like I said. I mean, 13, 14, this is a guy who uh, – and I'm on a. It's not like I'm. On, I lost the fight, and I'm fighting this guy. I'm on a three fight winning streak. You know what I mean? So yeah, it made sense. I I knew he was tough. I didn't know. I didn't think he was gonna be that good of a grappler at the time, but I knew he was a tough, a tough up and coming fighter. But I mean, I, yeah, that's a, that's a fight that really made my name. though. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, if I were to say, 
we got Darren Elkins, stud wrestler. And I got a guy I'm going to bring in that wrestled one year his junior year in high school, and he didn't even make it the whole season because he hated it. And that guy's going to out-wrestle Darren Elkins in an MMA fight and have Darren on his back the entire round. He'd probably call me a liar. Yeah, I do all the time. Darren, how does round one take place? Because that's Um, an accurate description of it. Yeah, so he hit me with some big strikes on the beginning, right? And then he uh, he took me down. He had me in some horrible position. He had me crucifix. I had to fight my way out of the crucifix. Um, he caught me with a big elbow in the beginning. I think that's kind of where the fight changed a little because I was like, he caught me and the blood was all in my eyes. I couldn't really see very well. But, you know, I'm a veteran. I don't have to wipe your eyes and stuff. Just act like you see, you know? Like, okay, I'm just going to keep going, you know? So I- I'm trying to... I'm making all these tough positions, but I'm definitely getting, I mean, it was a, a horrible first round for me. Maybe the worst. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was a 10 8. It was a 10 8. <laughs> I mean, it was a bad round. I survived, but what did I say? The second round was better round for me. I lost the second round, but right. I was like, I started turning. Darren, in between rounds one and two, the, the referee goes, wait a minute. <laughs> Get the doctor in here to look at this guy's cuts. And you oh. see, Darren, yeah, I'm fine. I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just just, just, just get out of here. Second round, you lose again. But it's a 10-9 round. It was 10 round, better round. I stopped to take down. I landed some punch. But not a great round. But I definitely lost the round. I'll give you that. But it was went from like a 10-8 to like a competitive round. You know what I mean? You mounted a little bit of offense. Yes. <laughs> it exactly. I, I, I'm going to be honest I remember watching this fight, and I was out with a bunch of friends, and uh, I was like, "Oh, this guy's from Indiana." He a lot of times like, yeah, he he starts slow, but he picks it up later on. And he, in, in the first round, they were all looking at me like, he, "He gonna pick it up in the end?" I was like, "I think so." I think, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was like, uh, "I think I think he might." Well, last usually he does. Maybe I was wrong this time. And when you we keep going by the end, I was like, I told you guys, I told you. So you made me look smart, but at first I was I was doubting myself. I was like, damn it, Chris. So I looked like a dickhead at first, but I I, I got it at the end. And, and you're like, I told you. I was like, I told you that one my one shot he was over. Oh, was so cool, dude. Sorry, I ruined the story, but go ahead. So Darren, when did you know that the the tide switched? Like when did your voice internal voice tell you, I got this one? Oh, yeah. the uh, so they're so going into the uh, going into the third round. They come right. like you said, attacking me and stuff like that, dude. And I'm going, you know, being a sickle I am, dude. I'm smiling, dude. Going into the third round, you know, I'm mean? like, we're gonna touch gloves. You know what I mean? I feel like I can just see in his eyes, like, what the fuck do I gotta do to finish this guy? He's still coming at me. You know what I mean? And I'm like, so we got some. He took me down in the, in the first, and I just felt like he was just gassing a little bit. You know what I mean? And, we kind of we got in a scramble. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna win this scramble. And then I got on top of him from my lock to like I went for a leg lock, pushed off the cage, got in the front headlock. And then when I got on top of him, I just felt him fading. I mean, he was fading hard. I'm like, all right, well, I, I, this is pretty good for me. Let's see if I can hit him a few times. You know what I mean? And uh, he started standing up, and I hit him really hard, and he kind of wobbled. I'm like, oh shit, I I hurt him. You know what I mean? And I started really put, pouring it on him. And then I, I punched him and kicked him at the same time. And, I mean, he knocked, I knocked him out. I was like, whoa. 
I won the fight. Woo! <laughs> you know, I was I was surprised myself. That's why you see that celebration. Like, man, I had to dig deep in that one. I mean, I'm I'm a guy who knows how to dig deep, but I dug all the way to the freaking grave for that one. <laughs> so Joe Rogan was actually uh, like crying a little bit. Like he, it was so emotional because what happens is Derek knocks this guy out and he's just Derek. a bloody mess. I mean, he's to refer to it anything else. And that, that's with respect. I'm saying you were a bloody mess. I was. And Derek lets out this guttural. Darren, what the fuck is wrong with me? I've known this guy since 2007. All right. Yes. Darren lets out this guttural yell. Like it was like a barbaric. Yeah. And it could, it, and it wasn't fake. It wasn't like a pro wrestling, like Ric Flair, woo. It was just, it was a barbarian savage coming out of Darren Elkins' body. And Joe Rogan was removed to, to a little bit of tears. Did you catch that? I mean, I, I didn't, I, I want to say the moment, I was, after all the energy and everything going on, I didn't catch it until later on. I watched it later. I watched him on his po- podcast talking about he's crying on there too, a little bit about it, you know what I mean, tearing up. And I mean, that's what I see about the time, dude. I had so much emotion going on. and. Uh, I, I didn't even think about it, you know. I knew I was happy. I'm thinking, God, I don't know how I just did that. But, you know, I dug deep and I believed in myself and I got the job done. So he's interviewing me and I'm I'm lost for words mostly, you know. At, at that point in the beginning of the third round, when I had suspected that there was trouble on the other side, was you come out, you land a kick where he claims it lands low and he takes a yeah. couple minutes Yes. And he he's a hot prospect, but it wasn't a low kick. It hit him in the stomach, and yeah. he, was gift, he was gifted a low blow. He was. And, yeah. you know, he was 11-0 at the time. And there, there, there says a lot about somebody when they've got a lot of fights. For instance, you're 22-5, and five and he's 11-0, and he's a big favorite, you know, to win the fight. But a real seasoned fighter that was gifted a low blow which didn't happen they would have yeah. took, took the full five minutes i yeah i felt like this okay so i i didn't remember that you bringing this up but that was like the changing point for me i watched it on the jumbotron and i'm like man oh he needs a break like i started <laughs> like the dog in me is like he's getting tired you know what i mean like this is my time you know what i mean and uh so he took the he took the break and, not, you know, he's thinking it's helping him. But mentally, my mental game changed after that. I'm like, he's getting tired. I'm going to turn it up because that's what I do. My cardio is phenomenal. You know, the one thing I can say about that fight, I say this all the time, is, like, my head was clear. Like, I took some some bad cuts. I took some big shots. But my head was clear. I wasn't concussed. I wasn't anything like that. So, I'm like, all right, this is time. You know what I mean, if there's ever been a time you show weakness, that was the time he showed it. And from then on, it was like the tides turned, you know. Wow. 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 Well, when you walk to the cage, what are you saying to yourself mentally? Do you have a routine that you go through? I mean, I can't say there's a routine. It's just like, I'm just trying to focus on the task at hand. Okay. Like it depends on the fight. Okay. He's going to probably come out with this. Okay. Do this. Get my, I mean, a few, it depends on the fight. You know what I mean, like sometimes it's like, I get my feet moving or, you know what I mean? Uh, get, move my head the takedowns, I mean, that type of stuff. But it's not like your normal routine. I mean, I don't 
I get nervous, but when it's time to fight, I don't really get that nervous. I'm like, listen, dude. I mean, this is what I've done. This is this is who I am. I know what I am. It's just I, I love to do this. Otherwise, there'd be other re- no other reason for me to do this. Like the money, the fame, that's cool, dude. But I just love to do it, man. I'm a fighter <laughs> all my life. Like that's who I am. You know what I mean? Like it's fine. Hey, Darren, wanna- like, let, let me let me ask you really fast. With- Wrestled since you were five. Did, were you were you a street fighter? Did you did you get into it in the streets or were you just a oh, street yeah. competitor? Oh, okay. Oh, I was a street fighter from day one, dude. Like so, so I was uh, I was a guy who uh, had a um, a speech impediment really young, um, so I got picked on a lot. You know what I mean? Like I got picked on horribly all the time in school. You know, but like I said, I started wrestling when I was young, so I learned I was a tough son of a gun. You know. And uh, I was, uh, I learned right away, you know, you know, I shot those bullies, you beat the hell out of them, you know, you beat the hell out of enough bullies, they stop talking about you. And soon enough, dude, I had that reputation, like, hey, man, you talk about Elkins, he's going to beat the hell out of you. So, you know, I'll fight a kid on a bus, I'll fight a kid on the p- playground, I'll fight a kid in the classroom right in front of the teacher by what they did, if they made me. You know, I always became that. <laughs> just, all, just a brawler, you know what I mean? And uh, I just had that reputation and, I mean, I, that's, I think that's what I carry with me at the cage, like that no quit attitude. It's like I always have something to prove. You know what I mean? Like even after all these years, I still have something to prove. Not to them, but to myself. You know what I mean? Like no way is anybody getting the better of me. How many concussions do you think you've had? I don't know. I don't get concussed a lot, dude. I get straight up. I've had some concussions. Don't get me wrong, but I haven't had a lot of concussions, you know? Um, I had one in wrestling for the first time when I first started wrestling in high school. I got a concussion, and that was probably my worst concussion. I got dropped on my head. Um, I've had clear concussions. I want to say Bokanowski gave me a concussion when I fought him. And then from there on, I can't tell you, like, a clear I got concussed. You know what I mean? I, I got hit hard. Maybe I got concussed, but I never had, like, loss of speech or I want to slur in my speeches or, or, um, you know, my eyes are changing, changing and stuff like that. I haven't had really any of that. I'm, I, I don't know exactly, you know, I haven't had a lot. So I feel like and I, my, I joke with my wife all the time is, uh, my memory is getting better. You know what I mean? I read more books. I, nice. she, how do you remember that? I'm like, I don't know. I'm learning stuff still in my life. Like, <laughs> When you stop learning stuff, that's when your brain stops working. So, like, I haven't noticed any clear – like, most people, get like, they ask, like, man, you took so many shots, you got – no, I'm actually – I swear, my memory's getting better. Like, I remember stuff way better than back in the day when I was younger. Like, she, like my wife tells me all the time, like, how do you remember that? You don't remember anything. I'm like, I'm, I'm learning, you know, I'm getting better with it. I learned we, uh, things books, I'm – must be the Indiana thing, dude, because I know I, I think I have a whole fight career. I think I had one concussion. That was probably it. Yeah, I mean, so I, we got thick skulls, I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> stubborn. Little brain, thick skulls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Indiana. Hard to get a concussion. You have a little brain, so we're good. <laughs> yeah. It's that Lake Michigan water. But, <laughs> but you know, and, and that's good because that's a concern for all, all you guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, but, uh, why don't you talk about Keith? Because Keith was real forthcoming, and Keith suffered from that. You did you learn? You know, did you 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 did you see that happen at Dunland? And uh, you practice. know, he talks about he talks about in practice. 
he, he feels like he took a shot. Then he turns it up and finishes, and everybody thinks, oh, keeps fine. He finished his guy. But the reason he turned up the intensity is because he was rocked. Uh, talk, talk about that and how that bakes into your experience, because I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, you, you're doing good. Yeah, um, I've seen Keith. You know, I've cornered Keith in quite a few fights, too. I've seen him kind of, like, get concussed. And he still fights. I mean, he's a fighter. So, yeah, he, he, you know what I mean? But he'll be like, what happened? You know what I mean? Like, he lost, like, for he doesn't remember anything that happens in that fight. He's like, I don't remember anything. Like, I just went on, you know, flight mode. And I'm like, so, like, he was saying he felt it for a while, you know. He was getting at the point, too, where he's getting more concussed easy, which is a concern. You know what I mean? Like, you go from, like, what's that guy like me? I'm hard guy. Really, I mean, I can take a punch, and I can still take a punch. But when you, when I get stopped taking a punch, that's that's a clear sign of something going on in my head. And I think that's what he was worried about. It's like he had a good chin, a really good chin, and then all of a sudden it wasn't a good chin until it wasn't anymore. Mm-hmm. Was something going on? Maybe it's time for me to just you know figure this out. Have you looked into the psilocybin studies? No, I've heard a lot about it, but I haven't really read a lot about them. I mean, I've read I've. I know, so we have, you know, Chris Holdsworth out here in Team Alpha. Of course, absolutely. That's why he was suffering a lot of that concussion syndrome stuff, right? So that's why he doesn't fight anymore, is uh, he got concussed from training, and then he fought, and his concussion became worse, and he said he's Mm. never been since, you know what I mean? Like, he still feels to this day, and it's been years since he's fought. So, speaking of Chris Holdsworth, he cornered you in your bout against Michael Johnson at UFC Fight Night. They bring Darren in to fight Michael Johnson in St. Louis. And it seems to be a reoccurring theme for you, uh, being brought in to fight somebody in their hometown. Yeah. So, that was one of your fight of the night uh, bonuses as well, I might add. Michael Johnson comes down a weight class. Um, You're a plus Mm -hmm. 150 underdog. You're 24 and five at the time. Michael Johnson's 18 and 12, but it's a brand new weight class. And man, does he hit hard. Yes. Well, I mean, you talked about fighting a guy in his hometown. I, I never look at it as a negative, man. I look at it as a positive. He has other pressure, right? So you fight in your own town, all that pressure. People are talking about getting tickets. You got to deal with all the extra stuff, do extra interviews and all that stuff. And then I feed off the crowd both ways, the negative and the positive. If you want to boo me, that pumps me up just as much because, you know, it means, like I told, like I said, then I have something to prove. Okay, doubt me. You'll see. Just wait. You know what I mean? So I turn anything into a negative into a positive. So I like fighting a lot of guys in their hometown. Hey, I mean, let's do it. If it's a good place to fight. I, I didn't love Brazil. I wouldn't like to, I didn't like to fight Brazilian <laughs> in my own country, but anywhere else I was pretty happy with. So the first round, Darren eats like several, several dozen hard shots, not just like one or two. Like he, 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 he is absorbing a lot of punishment. And on the other side, um, it appears that Michael Johnson is overcommitting on, on his takedown defense. And in, in between the rounds, Michael Johnson refuses the stool. I love that. When a guy refuses the stool – I'm like, wow. I mean, it's, it's somebody that really put in a hard camp. And Justin Buchholz tells you to capitalize on the overcommitment of his takedown defense, at which time 
you know, you get it to the ground, take his back, and on a fight that was very one-rounded against you, or very one-sided against you in the first round, you turn it around and you land a, I think it was a rear naked choke, set by second round. So the first round, it was a rough round. I mean, he's, he's fast. I mean, he's a fast athletic guy. I mean, I'm not that fast athletic guy. I know who I am, but that's the thing with me is like, I know the first round is not going to – if I lose that first round, I don't get flustered. Most people are like, oh, I'm losing this fight. I'm like, yeah, I lost the first round. That's <laughs> – when don't I lose the first round? You know what I mean? Like very few fights. Have, <laughs> I don't stress it. Um, but it, I started getting his timing of the kicks, right? So he threw leg kicks a few times, and I just missed catching him. Like I don't catch a leg kick when he throws it. I catch it as soon as they almost – like they hit, and then I catch the leg kick so they, so they don't change it up on me. And I was just missing catching a couple of those kicks by inches, right? So I missed it, just missed it, just missed it. And the second round, he threw that leg kick, and I caught that leg kick right away and took him down. And then from then on, I, I mean, I landed a couple punches, took his back, and submitted him right away. So – this is a timing thing. I had his timing down with those kicks in the second round and right away. So, and once on the ground, I knew he didn't have anything for me. I mean, he's a tough guy, but on the ground is not his thing, you know? It, it seemed that you and Justin had a really good, like, just a connection based on his cornering of you. Was it difficult for you to see him leave Team Alpha Male shortly after that? Yeah, I mean, I I did have a good connection with the uh, Buckles, you know. We all, he cornered me in all my fights in that team Alpha Males up to that point. Um, I felt like I was one of his guys. He took me under his wing. But, I mean, the thing was is I came out there for team Alpha Male, right? He was kind of going to go do his own thing. And I'm like, I like Buckles. I, I'll, I don't say – I'll never say anything bad about him, but I'm out here for team Alpha Male. It's not just for Buckles, you know what I mean? I <laughs> Great relationship with Danny Castile, and I had a great relationship with Chris Holdsworth. I mean, those guys wasn't going to come with us. So, I mean, I had, you know, Chris Holdsworth is one of my best friends. I mean, out here, I, I have probably the best relationship with him, you know. So, it wasn't like one of those things where I think he kind of wanted me to keep training with them after that one. And it was like, you know, they put me in a situation where I kind of needed to make a choice, but it wasn't really a choice. He didn't have a gym. He kind of does. He kind of does own own thing in like these little, uh, like little gyms they could get at, whatever hold pads with. But I'm not gonna put myself through that. I mean, I came out here because the nice thing about Team Alpha Mel is we have everything all in one gym. We have the strength and conditioning coaches. We have the boxing and Muay Thai coaches. We have the wrestling coaches. We have you know jujitsu coaches all in the same area. What I didn't like about Indiana is I had to go to gym, to gym, to gym, to gym. So I'm doing a lot of traveling. And I don't miss that 45 minutes one way, 45 minutes back, come back, get a little bit of a break, eat a little, eat a little bit, and travel again. Those days were, I mean, those, that's hard. That's a hard day. And I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. So further on in your career, you go on a four-fight losing streak. It's and it's it's hard for you. You got Alexander Volkanovsky, who you just talked about, Ricardo Lamas, Ryan Hall, Nate Landwire. You then fight on one of the ESPN cards against Eduardo uh, Garagori. Yep, Garagori. Which was a fantastic fight on your end. Yeah, uh, Garagori's from Uruguay, and Darren finally comes in as a favorite. This is one of the few fights that you come in as favorite. And during this bout, you get the featherweight takedown record. Yep. That's quite an achievement. 
I mean, I'm starting to get all these records now, especially featherweight. I have um, the most top game, the most takedowns, the most top uh, control. Um, I want to say the second most punches thrown in the featherweight division, the second most wins in the featherweight division, um, the most submission attempts, a um, couple other ones I have. So, I mean, I think I'm the first featherweight division to have over 2,000 um, uh, significant strikes with over yeah. 50. So, I mean, I'm at, but this is my 20, this at this point was my 23rd UFC fight. So it's one of those things where it's like the hard work's been put in. I've been, I'm one of the longest guys in the division now. So I'm starting to try to break all these records before I put it to the end, you know? <laughs> and your last fight against Derek Minner, um, you came in at a plus 135. No, I'm sorry. You were a, a minus 160. Um, you had 21 first round. Or, I'm, I apologize. Derek Minner was a minus 160 favorite. He had 21 first round finishes. And you're at 26 to 9 at a plus 135. And it's your 24th UFC appearance. It's insane. With that bout, another come from behind victory. And is that your 10th come from behind in, in terms yeah. of fights won as an underdog? 10th, 10th win as an underdog. So that's the wow. most in UFC history. Um, man, you know, I asked, he, he talked a lot about how he wanted to fight me, but I actually asked that matchup. I mean, <laughs> I knew available. I'm like, you know what, this is the guy, listen, if you think about the style, let's play of me and him, right? So what he's really good at is the guillotine. He has some pretty crafty submissions. And he's a great first-round fighter, right? A great first-round fighter, but he quits. After the second, third, <laughs> all the time, he quits. You know what I mean? So it's like we talked about it even in this fight. Like, hey, listen, if you get past the first round, you're going to have like an 80% chance of winning. But you got to get past that first round, which isn't easy with him. Don't get me wrong. He's a tough guy. But it was like once I got past that first round, it was all me. I knew that. And my coaches, you know, that's one thing we preached. And he came out a little bit, you know, came out with some submissions and stuff that, you know, he put me in some bad positions. I thought it would be better in, but I stayed, I saved the damage way. I did what I did my thing in there and survived. And he just faded from then on. You know, he, he, he had one last ditch effort in the beginning of the second, and he just found a way to get out of there. Minner's jujitsu is nuts. It is incredible. It's very yeah. difficult to figure yeah. out. No, he's now, got. He does. Darren, do you feel like there's a lot of people who um, this game is so mental, you know? And, and obviously, it's like it feels like you break a lot of people. Like people have so much ability and so much talent, but they just don't have that, uh, like you know, not quitting attitude. And it's like if things don't go their way, they're front runners. A lot of people, you know what I mean? It seems like you are the epitome of just enduring that and just being mentally tough. Do you feel like that's what you attribute a lot of your victories to, just being mentally tough for the most people? Yeah, I'm just – I'm different. Like mental toughness, like – and just cardio and just being tough, man. I mean, three things. Like, you, I'm going to be in your face no matter what. I'm going to keep coming. My cardio is going to be off the charts every time, so you better come in shape. And – I'm, I can find ways to survive because I'm mentally in there. You know what I mean? And like when most people come in the second or third rounds, they're going to go, they lost the first round. They're going to go, oh, man, I'm losing this fight. Uh, I don't do 
a new round every fight. Guess what? It's the second round. Oh, you want to fight me in the third round? Good luck. Here we go. You know what I mean? So um, the mental part is is my game. I mean, the athletic ability, eh, so-so. I'm pretty athletic. I'm pretty strong. I can do some of that stuff. I, I mean, I'm a... I'm a guy who knows what I'm good at, and that's why I'm where I'm at in my life. Is like I know what I'm good at, and I know what I'm not good at. Am I not? Am I trying to get better at that stuff? Yes. Am I working with strength and conditioning guys? Yeah. But at the end of the day, like I don't want to say I'm gonna go out there and just destroy a guy because of my athletic ability. It's not gonna happen. I'm not gonna go do a double backflip tomorrow. It's not gonna happen. But but I'm gonna break you. I'm gonna keep coming. I'm gonna freaking I'm gonna see what you're really made of because you're gonna have to if you're gonna fight. <laughs> what you what kind of will have you know so you're 38 years old now 37. not quite 37 give me a, I'm every year i can so don't take that one yet <laughs> how many fights how many more fights do you think you're gonna take you know i don't i don't have a number mike i'm not gonna be the guy i think the worst <laughs> thing to do is put numbers on it you know what i mean like i'm gonna reevaluate every fight I think well, uh, what I need to do is is every fight I do is, you know, see how I'm feeling, see how I'm doing, and then talk to my family about it. I'm not going to say, okay, I'm fighting until I'm 39 or I'm going to do two more fights because that's never a good thing. You know what I mean? I'm just going to fight every fight, see how I feel, see if I think I still got it, and go from there, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, do you, go ahead, Miguel. I was just going to ask, how many fights do you have left on your contract with the UFC? <coughs> um, or is I that... got, let's see, that's two – I got two more. Okay. Now, now, okay you, uh, do you think it's important? Like, a lot of times a fighter is the last person to kind of realize that they're starting to slow down. Um, do you have a good support crew around you, the wife, the, uh, the, the trainers? Do you think they'll be honest with you and be like, hey, man, we might want to think about this. Will they talk to you like that? Or is everybody going to be like, come on, let's keep going, Darren. Let's get more money. Or What do you think? Well, I mean, I think they're the, the most truthful guy. I mean, I came off those four fights, you know what I mean? And we talked about it. I mean, like, hey, you know, think about it. They never told me to retire. But, I mean, it's hard for a fighter to go, oh, uh, yeah. from a coach, right? Because, listen, we're, we're, it's, we, we want to be that guy, right, that still has it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm never going to – but we all slow down. We all – I mean, the age catches up. Is there one thing that's going to happen is it's going to catch up with us. And you know, I, I told him, I'm like, hey, you know, what, what do you guys think? And they're like, hey, you know, mate, let's we'll see. You know what I mean? And I started really changing the way I trained, changing, you know, I, I don't spar hard anymore with the boxing gloves really anymore. I work more with a boxing coach and I don't get, I mean, I, I don't really get hit hard in sparring ever because I don't like spar that much like that, like hard. I don't try, I don't yeah. train with I trust, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care with the guy that has something to prove. Like, you know, yeah. I just, the guy that comes in there, like, that's Chris Lido. I'm going to, I got to go after him. Well, that's there. <laughs> if I can fight, you know? So it's like, no, no, no. I'm only sparring with certain people that I trust now. I'm taking care of my body better. I'm making sure that, you know, I mean, that type of stuff. And I feel like that's the benefit for me is like, all right, I, my, I feel young again. For a while, I thought, man, I'm aging fast. And now all of a sudden, it's like, man, I got life again. And as far as you said, the coaches and wife thing, listen, the big thing and my wife knows is like my wife has a good job. I'm a union paper. I have a lot of different other skills. Fighting is not the end of me. I, I can do whatever I want. That's who I am. You know I mean, I'm a hard worker. I can do whatever I want in my life. So I just I don't want to be done yet, but it's something if it's that time, 
I'm okay. I can move on in my life. I mean, it's it's not easy for us fighters, but I'm I know who I am. You know. Have you thought about fight. opening a gym somewhere? And no, I haven't really thought about opening a gym. Really, I mean, I I, I kind of call me crazy. Maybe I change my mind, but I kind of just want to disconnect when I'm done. I'm that type of guy. I mean, maybe I'd coach a little bit of or something like that, but I don't see myself sticking around. It's hard for me to watch and be around that type of one anymore. Maybe I do jujitsu or something like that, but I don't see myself being involved in a whole lot of MMA when I'm done, you know? Yeah, I'm wow. that, guy. that guy. I'm the guy. I'm the opposite. Like, I like fighting. I like competing, but I, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm around it. Maybe I'm not. I don't I'm not like one of those guys that's like, I'm going to open my own gym. I'm going to do this. I'm like, eh, nah, maybe not. Maybe I'll do another thing in my life. Maybe I train a little bit of jujitsu. Maybe I help guys here and there, but it's not one of those things that I want to do all my life anymore. Like I've committed so much to this in my life. It's like, maybe I want to go on to the next step in my life. You know what I mean? Like actually enjoy and do other things, you know, and learn different skills. Have you gone hunting with Chad Mendez? No, I haven't. Mm -hmm. I haven't. I know. You know, the thing is, me and, me and Guida's going to go fishing here pretty soon, too, because he's out here, and uh, he's got his own, like, fishing charters and stuff out here. So I'm going to do a fishing charter with Clay hopefully soon. <laughs> nice, nice. Now, so let me ask you, you do your two fights, you win, the family, everybody still, you know, they're there, you can make your choice. The UFC comes with a four-fight deal. Six more fights, is that something you consider, or? Uh, but I don't know. I, like I said, I would consider it. Like, I don't think... I think I have more than two fights in me. I do. Okay. I have a few more fights in there. I'm 37. I'm going to fight. Uh, I know I'm going <laughs> to fight within this year as I don't get hurt. So that'll be one fight left in my contract. So I got maybe another year and a half, two at least. You know what I mean? I feel like that's, like I said, could it change? It could change tomorrow. I could retire tomorrow. Maybe <laughs> something. But as of now, I think I have more than that. I'd like to do more than that. And, uh, you know, the UFCs get, you know, they, they love the way I fight. They, they treated me. I mean, I, I went on that four or five losing streak and I thought for sure I'd get cut. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, most people are like, that's the line. I mean, you lose more than two, usually you're on that line, right? So <laughs> I lose that third one. I'm on, I'm thinking, okay, um, uh, maybe. And like, no, you're good. So I lose, I lose the third one. I lose the fourth one. I'm thinking, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. You know what I mean? But, but, you know, he came up, listen, I love the way you fight. If you want to keep doing this, let me know. You, you'll always be with us. You know what I mean? He's like that. You know what I mean? And, and and I appreciate that. But I think that's because they know that I'll, I've always been the guy who takes the fights. I've always – I never made excuse. I was always that guy. Yeah. Do I want more money? Yeah. Do I try to get more money? Yeah. Am I unreasonable? Never. I'm not going to say anything. Well, you can't. You know what I mean? I know how to do this. I know how the sport is, so they treated me good, and I've always treated them good. So I think we have a really good understanding of each other, and and I think we're I think that's why I am where I'm at right now. You know, you, you know, Darren. I always people always say, uh, "How do UFC treat? You? How's Dana White?" This and I was like, "Man, if you just go and, and you fight your ass off, they're gonna like you no matter what." And they're like, "Man, if you come and you you're, you're easy to deal with and you just come and fight, they'll tell you this like they told you and I know like they told me like, we'll let you fight as long as you want if you come and fight like you do. All right. I mean, that's all you got to do. You come yeah. there and you perform and you fight as hard as you can, they're going to they're gonna like you. And it, I mean, I guess yeah. as long as you're a good fighter like you are. But, I mean, yeah. That's all good, they ask. 
I feel like if you're a good fighter, you'll run your mouth. You know what I mean? You get some of the people, they forget. You know what I mean? They, they, they think they're bigger than UFC now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, okay, you can be that guy, but you're not going to last very long if you keep running your mouth. Like, make yeah. make the bosses mad. See what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. people, it's stupid. Down and you keep on fighting your ass off, they're going to give you more money. They're going to treat you better. Trust, that's going to happen, but don't do not do too many waves. Don't make too many waves, you know? Excellent. Man, that's a good interview, Chris. Hey, uh, man, that was awesome. I appreciate it. Like I said, uh, love having you be the Indiana guy. It makes me proud to be another one of you uh, like that. But, I mean, man, just yeah. great stuff, great hearing your – interesting story uh getting involved with the sport and how you evolved and everything and it's just awesome and i i thank you for your time my friend yeah thanks guys i enjoyed it yeah definitely. Thanks, we, we, we got a lot of retired fighters and uh fighters talking about their full career and getting an active guy and seeing a guy who's sharp and still like you know in the mix and stuff it really there really is a difference man so thank you yeah. very much for a good wake-up call man and good luck in everything you do brother absolutely thanks, Man, that was uh, that was fantastic. I, I love hearing the old school grind, especially you know. I, I bring up, I bring Darren up a lot. You know, I, I'm always like, man, old school guy, now that, but he's still fighting. But he brings forth that. Uh, I think that Midwest grind. I mean, the dude gets like he, he said, he gets beat up a lot in the first round, and comes back and just beats him the next two rounds. He's just a hard nosed guy, and I love that about him. One of my favorite things to watch. And, and he brought up, you know, how that started and how it comes, and his this mentality, dude. I love it. Well, the thing with Darren is he's never in the middle of controversy. So in this interview, what we discovered was when Buchholz left Team Alpha Male, he was trying to take Darren and probably a few other teammates with him. And Darren said, you know, it's not really much of a choice. I think you read the situation wrong. I'm here for Team Alpha Male. You know, good luck, you know, and, and you know, whatever it is you got going. And, you know, it's things like that, like that we uncover that, don't come out until much afterward. And it's because we've watched all the fights for paying attention and yeah. we address it. Like every single interview, we get something like that. And you know what I enjoyed kind of unearthing there is, you know, he came from Keith Wisniewski's Jim Doodlin Valley Tudo before heading out West. Right. And, you know, Keith is a guy who put in, you know, 50 fights in the 50 fight club and Darren's probably not going to get the 50 fights. And that's a good thing. You know, they made, they, they corrected some of the mistakes that drag out your career and you suffer for it. And it's interesting that he's been able to, to do that. And one of the reasons I think that is, is, and he pointed out, is he was focused from the get-go. Right off the bat, he was like, I'm going to be a pro. Before his first pro fight, he was ready to do that. Not like, you know, I'm going to be a superstar 20 years ago, but he was ready to dedicate himself completely. There are a lot of guys that pussyfoot around. And I think... Uh, Elkins, that's what makes him, you know. Once he was focused, you got the best of Elkins. So, Chris, you've seen in the past, you have a lot of people tell you they are going to make it to the UFC, and they may have a ton of talent, but the dedication and discipline is something that I'm not going to say they don't have. It's they don't even have an understanding of what that means. Drinking, out the window, diet needs to be locked down, going to bed at 10.30, even, like, after a fight, like the day after, instead of celebrating, if you want to make it to the highest levels of mixed martial arts, those are things that are absolute musts. And that's not even a question of whether you think about it. That's something you're already doing on your own. And then the discipline kicks in. That's, that's the weird thing is it's so hard to make. You have to have a, a great amount of natural ability to be good nowadays. But you also, 
a lot of people get get used to that, but you also just have to have an incredible work ethic and, and, and dedication. That that those are two things that people don't understand. Like I've seen many people who are great athletes, they just and they came in all the time, they just didn't work harder. They're great athletes, they come in all the time, but they just you have to have all three different things to make it work. And a lot of people have two out of the three and you ain't making anywhere at two out of three. Everybody there has had great athletic ability. They work really hard and they're, and they're putting in the hours. You just don't get there otherwise. So uh, Darren, like he, he brought it up a couple of times when I lack in athletic ability, I make up for with my dedication and determination. He definitely does. He, that's evident. A lot of his fights. I feel like some of his opponents are better than him, but he, he just outworks them, man. And I love that about him. And Miguel and I were talking earlier off camera. Um, okay, so we've got a couple of the big upsets where he came back at the end. You know, we, we addressed those in his UFC career. I eventually, I'd like to kind of get the other side. All right, hey, Bectic, you're dominating. What are you thinking round one? What are you thinking round two? What happened round three? To kind of get that opposing side of what was taking place in that match, it it's a story and it's a story that's incredibly yeah. fascinating to us, like diehard fight fans, especially being when you're getting a 10, eight round, your first round, 10, nine round, the second round, and then just collapse the third round. It's you ran your engine on red and you ran out of gas. It's yeah, just, I it's mean, incredible. There's the, well, especially you got a guy who's nine and no or 11 no or whatever he was. And, and you're going in there and you're thinking you're going to just molly whop this guy and, and you're doing it. And then you're like, why is he not done? What is going on here? Mentally, you, I mean, you've never had this happen. And it happened right there. His worst nightmare came true. He got dropped. He got knocked out because he had, I mean, he mentally broke. So in our Walt Harris interview that we did, uh, you know, months ago, Walt even said it when he fought over him. He's like, yeah. at the end of the first round, we spoke to each other. He, I knew I was in trouble, and he knew <laughs> that I knew I was in trouble. And, you know, those types of communication is it's incredibly fascinating, you know, especially on our end. Yeah, so we got a full career retrospective with Darren Elkins, and uh, the cool part about it is he's not done with his career, so we're going to have to do it, do it again. But it's a yep. good taste. Enjoy and uh, hit like, subscribe, comment, uh, share. share, you know, tattoos. We, we you know, we're okay. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, that like, share, subscribe tattoos. Lights out podcast tattoo, not the like, share, subscribe. Yeah, yeah, go tattoo your kids. We don't want that. I mean, you know, it's good. It's good yeah. stuff. But uh, yeah, no, it, we it, have it, we yeah, kids, you support. don't even need your parents' permission. Go ahead and get right. the tattoo. We're going to tell you that right now. <laughs> and children, if your parents have a PayPal button, go into our description <laughs> and just you can donate money right to us without asking them permission. You can do that. Children. <laughs> so now we're really going to find out if anybody gets to the end of these podcasts. Yes. Yes, we will. Thank <laughs> you.